All right, welcome back to the 10 Tabs Open Podcast. This is your host, Alex Howell, and today we had on Eric Yazel, who is a, a very good friend of mine, and I'm very lucky to be able to call him that, and he has also uh, been a very, very important influence in my life. Eric is the director uh, of the theater department at State Fair Community College in Sedalia, Missouri, which hosts an amazing, um, I believe it's right at 300 or just under, just over 300 uh, seat theater there. Uh, they have a great theater department. It's where I went for my first two years of college. And he, um, he to say that, to put it mildly, he kind of uh, saved me for myself several times and was just an, an absolutely amazing influence in my life. And uh, so I owe, I owe the man a lot, but he has uh, directed more plays than you could count, been in more plays than uh, you could count, and has influenced the lives of uh, more students than, um, than even he probably knows. Um, I had him on the podcast because we both have uh, very similar views on a lot of things, and we both have very differing views on a lot of things. So I do want to say one thing before, uh, before we start this, and that is, I, I know that there are going, especially towards the end of the podcast, the podcast is a, a little bit around three hours long, um, which is a long time to talk. But when he and I get together, we're both uh, pretty, pretty talkative people. But um, towards the end of this, the podcast, probably the last third or so, we kind of get onto some sub- subject matter that uh, you might have the desire to uh, just pause or stop the stop the podcast. That is completely understandable. I, uh, I try to have people on here, one, for the diversity of thought, but also because... I, I want different opinions to be exchanged, and I want to be able to learn from people and you know, kind of hear that happen. So if you get to a point where you're like, I don't want to talk about, you know, I mean, we get into some political subjects and things of that nature, but if you, if you feel that way, obviously feel free. You don't have to listen to it. For the most part, it's a very lighthearted feeling up front. We talk about theater, our experiences, what it means to be in, in, uh, in the theater department and have friends that are that are there for you, um, and then we kind of get into that subject matter later, and that's pretty much when you know we we hit the point as friends. So again, I really hope you enjoy the podcast. This is Eric Yazel, the director of the theater department at State Fair Community College, a great friend, a great man, and I hope uh, you have the opportunity to enjoy what he has to say because if there's one person that uh, that you can trust in the world, uh, it's obviously your uh, self, your parents, your spouse, your children, and uh, and then just call Eric Gazelle because he'll tell you he'll tell you the truth and he'll be as uh, as kind as he possibly can. Thanks. have a pretty big laugh kind of like I oh do. yeah yeah so you know it wasn't it wasn't totally obnoxious where it felt like you were peeking out so yeah. I feel that the I figured you had a decent system so yeah it's it, it I picked it up I actually just went to guitar center and I was like I have no idea what I'm doing so sell mm-hmm. me something which is always like oh do you, how much money do you have yeah. okay we'll work on that but they got they actually and the boxes are still over there because I haven't moved them since mm-hmm. we moved but they actually had like a podcasting setup and then the guy just gave me that thing, which is kind of how I control everything. And for, uh, like, you know, if you're, you know, if you've got a band, that's the worst thing you can have because it's like that's a microphone and a guitar, and good luck with everything else. Yeah. But for this purpose, it's like, oh, it's, yeah. And even if I have one more person or two more people on, I've got enough connections where I just pop in, and mm-hmm. now it goes to four, and it can still handle it. It's not cool. a, a guitar and drums. No, no. <laughs> yeah, I haven't, I haven't had much of a chance to listen. I just kind of started listening to the the one today from the arts asylum yeah 
And, uh, but it sounds interesting. I mean, I was kind of looking at it going, well, that's kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. It was one of those things like I'm, you know, at the beginning of the year, I was really kind of having trouble because every, I try to like get in front of every YouTube video and every article I can read about either, you know, marketing, whether it's, you know, social media or just, you know, putting content out and everything I was reading was if you really want to have enough of it, you just have to either do one of two things. You have to pretty much force yourself to be on it all day long. And yeah. with me, it's like, again, my business model is a little different than some. I can be out at the open house on Sunday and take video or take pictures and do that kind of thing because I know this will surprise you. Like being in front of a camera doesn't really bother me. Yeah. yeah. That's I know, shocking. Weird. <laughs> yeah, weird. So, uh, so it was like, okay, well, I can do some of that stuff. But at the same time, there's a lot of times where I'm in front of my computer just working on getting stuff out. And so it was kind of one of those, okay, well, how do I do this now? And the first thing, uh, I listened to, to uh, Gary Vyrchek. Name sounds familiar. Yeah. But. He, I hated listening to him in the beginning because he's one of those, you know, kind of East Coast sounding guys mm -hmm. where it's like, you know, you got to F and do this and you better do this. And if you don't, you suck. And if you can't do this, then that. Yeah, yeah. And I realized that I just am such a pansy that I hate listening to people like that. Like, I'm not... A, piece of shit <laughs> so once i actually just kind of forced myself to listen to him because i saw a lot of people that i follow followed him mm -hmm. i was like well okay i should listen to this guy and that was pretty much what he said he's like if you can create content in any way and like he has a podcast where eventually like i'd like to get this on like video recording too mm -hmm. but he does that and a few others that i follow do that it's like and the best thing about it is now you have a three-hour conversation that you can clip yeah so now you've created yeah. content within that content so it's like, okay, well, I'll start this. And the best part about it was I was trying to figure out a name and the whole 10 tabs open thing came because I was like, that's how my computer looks all the time. Because, I thought it was perfect. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. Yeah, I have no brain. I can't stick to anything. Like you were talking about earlier where it's like a, a push notification comes up and you're immediately on that. Oh, yeah. Same way. So Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're not doing video yet because I have a face for audio. <laughs> there was a guy at uh, – I went to Boys State. Mm -hmm. uh, in, in high school and there was a guy who apparently n none of us we were young enough where none of us had ever heard that phrase and he wasn't it was like he was a bad looking kid but somebody told this high schooler like an adult in their radio department because he did like the boy state radio yeah and uh they told him it's like well you know the good thing about this is you've got a really good voice but you have a face for radio so i think you can do this <laughs> and he was like it was the most insulting thing i'd ever like, heard <laughs> jesus christ man, just ruined the kids dreams yeah, right there yeah he's, he's probably <laughs> scarred for life uh -huh. now yeah yeah well it's like in theater you call them character actors absolutely yeah yeah <laughs> they're wounded <laughs> that's why i've been a great character actor all my life i'm screwed up <laughs> yeah i can't remember who it was um it was one of the one of the larger actors in hollywood and he said that he went to like a a, a and i'm trying to think of who it was because it would have been like a, a seth rogan or a mm -hmm. you know a, a chris farley but i don't think either of them would have cared so somebody who would but he said he's like i went i got invited to the academy awards so i'm going out and like the i go to the after party and i just see this display of food and it's beautiful and it's everything you can imagine it's everything from steak and caviar to just name the dessert it is on this spread mm -hmm. he's like so i grab my four plates and just load it up he's like and i sit down and i'm the only person sitting down and i start looking around and realizing 
how fat I am because I'm looking at like Christian Bale who will not touch this like food yeah, and Sandra Bullock yeah. who will not touch this food. And he's like, and so I just started eating out of shame. <laughs> <laughs> and one of the, like, you know, one of the older character, one of the older big guys in Hollywood came up and sat right next to him. He had his three or four plates too. And was like, character actors. And they just <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. well, that's cool. Not yeah. to mention you can't be an ingenue your whole life. Although some people have tried to, yeah you know, go against that theory. Yep. But, uh, yeah. So you gotta be a character at some time mm-hmm. or another. Well, like look at the transition, like Chris Pratt right now. Like yeah. He played the fat guy in parks and rec. And then now he's a superhero. Yeah. That's kind of wild. That's so, kind of crazy. Yeah. <laughs> go figure. Yep. So what's the, uh, what's the upcoming year look like? Uh, we are doing, actually we're starting off with, uh, Kristen Henning, uh, who you know. I mean, you were student. Kristen Janky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jank, yeah. I, I still call her Janky. <laughs> nice. All the time. I, I don't know if it irritates her or not, but she smiles <laughs> and goes with it. Uh, but uh, she is directing Mr. Burns, a post-electric play, which is kind of a, it's in the future after electricity. So it's kind of a post-apocalyptic show. Mm-hmm. But it starts with these these guys, these people at a campfire trying to retell a Simpsons episode after the end of television and electricity. Uh-huh. And so it goes from the first act where they're around a campfire telling the story and they're getting facts wrong about it and stuff like yep. that to the second act, which is seven years later, which is the same group now have formed a theater troupe. And now they perform the Simpsons episode to the third act that is 75 years later to where now it's become this stylized musical that was a Simpsons <laughs> episode. So it's a lot about uh, the kind of storytelling and yeah. how things change and how we interpret things. So it's, yeah. it's really kind of, it's a pretty cool play. I, I like it. Um, nice. uh, but then, then I'm directing a children's musical, which I think we're going to take on the road this year. We're talking oh, about awesome. taking it to Lake of the Ozarks and to Boonville. But that, those are, those things are still in the works. Yeah. And you were involved in a, Oh yeah. A couple of them. One or two of those yeah. a, a few years ago. <laughs> I still remember the, uh, what was his name? He was the, the hound, the, uh, the oh. private detective in Humpty Dumpty Mystery. Yep. I, I have no, I know if I went over to the shelves over there, I know I could find it. But yeah, I, it was the Humpty Dumpty Mystery. That was interesting because I, I look, you know, I try to like find the old pictures every once in a while. Yeah. And I just happen to like type it in online and really a couple of things came up, but there is a video that somebody did, and I think it's the music that we learned from, that CD. Somebody took that and cut in our pictures from our Humpty Dumpty mystery. Oh, you know what? I know who that is. That's okay. Sam Stokes who wrote it. Okay, that's who yeah, did yeah, it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he gotcha. did that video. So but yeah. I couldn't believe it. I was just like, I'm on YouTube wearing a dog costume. Cool. This is my introduction to YouTube. All right. That's fine. It could be worse. You could be a frog or Oh you know, yeah. yeah. Or a princess like yeah, I yeah, was yeah, the yeah, following yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or whatever. And I have pictures of that too. So oh, yeah. maybe maybe you should I should send you those so you can post them on the podcast link. That's fine with yeah. me. Do yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't you made think... a you made a fine ugly stepsister. Well you it was the first time you let me wear a goatee, I think. There you go. Yeah, yeah. it was it was special. Yeah. It was, it was special. Sexy. Well, I think nothing got better than when they made the costumes out of that gold material around the armpits that yeah. then allowed everybody to see that we were sweating like crazy it was pretty yeah it was good it yep. was nice mm-hmm. it was nice yeah oh, children's sweet. theater at state fair community college <laughs> is a should be a phys ed requirement you yeah know, should follow at least a one hour if not a two hour you know phys ed class which we don't require anymore but 
That's, know, that I, seems unfortunate. Yeah, that seems unfortunate. Yeah. yeah. So I still, you know, we had workouts and all kinds of stuff for children's theater. Yep. But anyway, <laughs> this is the ADD part of me that uh-huh. I'll, I'll get off topic here. <laughs> but I'm still on because uh, yep. we're doing a children's musical called Naked Mole Rat Gets Dressed, The Rock Experience. What so? The? <laughs> <laughs> it's based on a children's book, and it's a fairly new one. Uh, but just can imagine them opening the program yeah. like, so what children's show are we going to see? Yeah. I don't think we should see this children's <laughs> show. <laughs> well, trust me, there's only basically pink onesies that the naked mole rats are wearing gotcha. with hoodies. Okay. So Better. it'll be fine. Yeah. Better. No, no nudity. Yeah. Well, if you've seen Daffy theater. Duck, you've already seen enough. There right? you, you go. Just yeah, yeah, code, yeah, so. yeah, 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 yeah. I've been scarred by that for years. Yeah. You know, so um, yeah, Elmer Fudd killed me too. So. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But basically, it's about this this naked mole rat. In fact, they have a song at the beginning that says, we're naked, 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 you know, that kind of thing. Uh, but it's like a rock concert, but the naked mole rat, he, all of a sudden, some of these clothes start falling into their their molehill, mm-hmm. and um, they start, this. he starts putting on some clothes, and he likes it, but he's shunned by the other naked mole rats because he's <laughs> dressing, and, you know, that's not, we're naked, we're not supposed to be that way. Yeah. So it's it's hilarious, but it's also kind of a cool thing, which I think we really need today, yeah. is, like, accepting people who are different. Yeah. So it's a cool musical, and then... Um, I've forgotten what that sounds like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's another story. And let me finish the season first before it. we get on this tangent. Right. So, um, and then we're doing uh, Tim Wells, the technical mm-hmm. director there at State Fair. He is doing The Diviners, which is a really cool show. I've heard of that. Show. Yeah. Actually, your uh, teacher in high school, Todd Schnocky, mm-hmm. did it in college. That's probably why I yeah. recognize Yeah, he's it. Yeah. probably mentioned it. Um, mm-hmm. It's a really cool story. Um, it's about a a um, former preacher who comes into this small town, and they find out he's a uh, he is kind of burnt out in uh, the preaching, and he tries to get away from it. But then he meets this kid named Buddy Layman, mm-hmm. who Buddy um, he, he his mother died saving him in a river. Oh, wow. She drowned. She saved him, but then she drowned, and she got carried away and was drowned. And so ever since then, Buddy has not been in the water. He mm-hmm. has not taken a bath, doesn't want to get in the water. So it's it, uh, so essentially CeCe Showers, the former preacher, starts to work with him and trying to get him to, to ease his anxiety about it and get in the water. Gotcha. And, and I'm not feeling like I'm giving anything away because they pretty much tell you at the beginning uh, – a lot of the people in the town by the end of the show think it's a baptism. So they're all excited that mm-hmm. now that CC showers is going back to where he should be. Gotcha. Um, but in the distraction, uh, buddy drowns. Oh, geez. So it's, it's, it's not necessarily a happy. Show. It's a great show, right? Um, it's an incredible show and it's uh, funny and it's got some really heart wrenching moments. So it's kind of the show I kind of like where it's the, something that's, if you can get them laughing in the first act and then crying in the second act, that's to me, that's kind of a cool show just thinking about things. And so, but it's incredibly theatrical. Mm -hmm. The cool part about it, I've seen it done a few times, but at the end it's very much a sound and kind of light 
miracle as far as him going underwater and how the sound changes when he comes back up above water because mm-hmm. the sound of the people that are talking on the outside changes and just this the sound and the lighting is incredible just the the lights and the uh moving gobos that they use to create the water there and there's a distinctive yeah. line and you wow. know tim is great at lighting so i think he'll yeah. do a great job with that he's an incredible light designer and then uh my retirement show is <laughs> spam a lot perfect so i've just decided <laughs> that i'm going seriously cheesy that's fantastic. And ending with spam a lot and i i may i don't know make a make a cameo as the french taunter <laughs> so i'll use my very bad french accent and uh, so i'll have to work on it some no don't yeah, 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 don't yeah. at all <laughs> don't at all yeah. <laughs> your mother was a hamster and your father smelled of elderberries <laughs> i wave my private parts in your general direction that's that's the beauty of you know being bad comedy is that i can just throw in a ha 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 and it's french well and that's the entire that's the entire show I mean, oh yeah. I mean, that's that's uh, Monty Python. I mean, that's that's them. Oh yeah, that's it. Yeah. Like, I mean, they're they're funny. Be- I mean, it's English humor, but they're hilarious at times. But a lot of times, like they're h- hilarious because it's so ridiculous. Yeah. Like, but yeah, that that's one of the best characters to ever play because you get to say all those lines. Oh yeah. And it's a, it's a short little thing. I saw somebody do a supercut of that scene with. Um, Tyrion going up to the walls of King's Landing in the last. Oh yeah, I did. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Tyrion's looking all serious, and he's hearing the you know your father smells of elderberry. It's like, oh, I like this. This is beautiful. We should do this. Yeah, it's weird how many. If you think about it, when you're looking for how many references there are to Monty Python, the Holy Grail. Oh really? Out there, yeah, it's incredible. There's all kinds of you know cheesy little references to it. Yeah. Um, you know, and we got a guy who's going to get his arms and legs chopped off and say it's exactly. just a flesh wound. Yeah. You know, so it's a, it's an incredibly heartfelt, deep show <laughs> that goes into this this examined character examination mm-hmm. of yeah, no, uh, no, it's it's, cheesy. It's fun, two dimensional, exactly. Cheese. Yeah, and people exactly. need that. They need that as much as the other thing these days. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Well, I did. She kills monsters, which is an incredible show by mm-hmm. Kui Gwen. And um, it's just, I don't know if you're familiar with no. it. It's, it's an awesome show, but it's basically about uh, a young woman who's a teacher whose uh, sister and parents died in a car accident two years before. And um, she is going through her room because she's finally moving out of the house. It's been two years. She's moving out of the house. And when she's going through the house, she finds this dungeon master guide and starts looking through it and finds this kid who knew her sister and gets him to take her on this adventure and she finds out so many and it you know most people i don't like dungeons and dragons or whatever and think that well it's not something for me but what's cool about it is she goes on this adventure and meets these characters that are representative of the real life people i mean this was part of their party that played the game and she finds out a lot about her sister that she had no idea yeah. about, including one part where she finds out that her sister was gay mm-hmm. and she had no idea yeah. that, um, and you know, it, it ends with a, you actually fight a five headed dragon, which I had to learn how to make a five headed dragon out of EVA foam oh, and geez. yeah, 
I'll just show you some pictures sometime. Yeah. It actually came out pretty cool. Fantastic. Uh, but we had to make all kinds of monsters and stuff. And, yeah. and so it was it was fun to do, a lot of fight choreography. It was hilarious. But, you know, it kind of comes to this five-headed dragon at the end. And really what she's fighting is pretty much herself dealing with her grief. Yeah. And I think that that dragon fight at the end uh, was her dealing with the loss of her sister mm-hmm. and getting to know her so much better just through playing this game yeah and one of my favorite lines is um you know uh she says to her sister you're not real at the end of it and uh she says but isn't what life is is just a collection of stories Mm -hmm. i'm just you know i'm a collection of stories so it's kind of about how she lived on even as she played this game periodically as she got married and had a kid and yeah. she would meet with some of the kids who were her best friends learning more and more about you know Tilly. Yeah. So it's it's a cool. But so I figured after that I'll just go for cheese. Yeah. Let's just go for pure yeah. unadulterated aerosol cheese. Yeah. Well that's going to be a popular show too. A lot of people know yeah. that show. That'll be a good one. Yeah, Get I'm looking many forward to it. There. And I think I we may open it up to a few alumni. So, you know, awesome. You know, you're a good singer. You, yeah, I'm there. Yeah, you're there. Yeah. Your last show on that stage. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, um, if Tim needs any help building any of these sets, have him call someone that's not me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you weren't exactly a, a mainstay in the shop during yeah. shop hours. No, you're I. There. You're, you're a great student. Yep. Good grades. Yep. Loved you, but yeah. Yep. Yeah, I told, uh, I think I was telling Corey, they were talk- he was talking about, um, he's the Arts Asylum guy who was mm-hmm. in yeah. the last episode, but I mentioned that, I think at some point during either this podcast or the one that we recorded that the audio failed, and um, I was like, yeah, it was one of those things where I think by the end, like, eventually, like, after that, mm-hmm. you know, I became somebody that worked on houses and did a lot of projects, so, like, I got better post-State Fair, but I'm pretty sure that even if I went back now, Tim would just like take the drill away from me. <laughs> he play something like, yeah. no, no, I've, I saw the table you made, and yeah, there's yeah, no yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, no way. No way. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. a bad thing about not seeing someone for a, a long time is they kind of get stuck in that period. Of, oh yeah. Of time. Yeah. Well, that's you know nothing nothing quite like remembering somebody between eighteen and twenty years old. Yeah, it's not or, always our best our best <laughs> no. moments. Yeah. Well, yeah, and the first time away from home and all that kind of stuff. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. 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 The uh, it's interesting to think about because I feel like my parents and I talked. I was like, I wouldn't change anything about it. Probably would have been more intelligent at the time, just with my personality, to maybe like make sure I was on campus rather than in my apartment that was across the street. But I honestly don't know if I would have gotten in any less trouble. And I wasn't even, ever even in trouble, except when I felt like I was. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I should tell this story or not. Which one? Oh, I'm thinking, okay, I'm retiring anyway. Yeah. What the hell? Um, but, you know, I, uh, you remember when you had the apartment and I came over to the apartment. Mm-hmm. And everybody was so excited because I was drinking a beer yeah. there. And it was kind of this insane thing where we thought, you know, the cops were there. So it's kind of like, okay, this is the only person here. You know, it was kind of like a hide Eric scramble. You know yeah. what I mean? It was, jump out uh, the yeah, window. Yeah, yeah. Jump out the window. It'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. No, I remember that. I think I have a picture of that. So. Oh, yeah. Me yeah. and you. Yeah. 
holding our drinks. Did I say eighteen to twenty yeah. or eighteen to twenty? Uh, it, it was twenty one. Yeah, it was twenty one. Twenty one. Uh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, there was no one there. There was no one there under the age. There, supposed there to be saying not. things that were illegal. I think the statute of limitations is it's gone. it's gone. Yeah, yeah. So I think I'm good. all of those people are twenty one now. There or, you go. Or yeah, more. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's weird yeah. to think of you guys in your thirties. That's just uh, kind of crazy. It's got to be weird to think of me as a dad. Like, yeah, you, yeah. You have humans that rely on you? I mean, oh, no. <laughs> I don't know if I can say this. You can edit it out if you can't, but, you know, you were doing as much practicing as you could for parenting. Then, you know, you were a little wilder back in those days. Yeah, I, I don't know what happened to that guy. I think he, he's still in there just repressed. <laughs> Probably because I'm just fucking tired all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, your wife is incredible. So, oh, yeah. you know, you got a great, and oh, yeah. you know, your kids seem great. So yeah. I always say there's a thing, there's a... BC and an AC there's before yeah. children and after children and you really can't explain it to someone no. who doesn't have kids because your life completely changes yeah and it's always and I always kind of had the assumption that that would occur but I was completely wrong on how it would yeah so like I've I've seen people and I mean I'm related to one of them and I have friends that are this but when they have a kid everything changes but everything changes in the sense of well, now I have to pretend that I was never that person in the past, yeah. and that goes away. And I kind of look at that, and I'm like, that, my kids are going to be way too smart for that. They're going to be like, no, yeah, no, no, figure, no, 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 how the hell did we have enough time to get everything done in our lives? Oh, yeah. And then go out and, like, spend a whole day just visiting restaurants and going to parks and just generally hanging out with friends. It's like we feel like by the time we get home, kids in bed, you know, kids fed in bed or baths and all that kind of stuff, it's 8, 830, and we still have to work, and then it's 10 and we're asleep. Yeah. Or, you know, it's 11 or midnight or whatever it is. And then the next day, it's it's not like it starts up late. The next day, you're up at 6 o'clock in the morning because they're always up at 6 o'clock in the morning. So you are, too. Yeah. And that's the... That's the weird one. And even having... I don't know if you had this, but going from 1 to 2, I think, was even more dramatic than having the 1. Yeah, in a lot of ways, it is. Just because... I mean, we waited four years because our kids are four years apart. Yeah. Part of it was like... you know, uh, we had our daughter, Audrey, and she was incredible. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm a little biased, obviously. She oh, is incredible. She yeah. still is today. But, um, in fact, I just had dinner with her last night. Nice. So we had a good conversation. Um, but uh, we thought, well, there's no way we can love another kid the same way that we love mm-hmm. Audrey. So it took us those four years to kind of determine that. And then we had Ethan. And then we found out, you know, your capacity for love is you know it's infinite when especially when it comes to your children right it's kind of incredible yeah um, some people try to test that because they just continue yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. we <laughs> figured we had you know one boy one girl we were done with the baby game yeah um you just didn't want to ever be outnumbered no so, in fact i know from being one of you know four brothers that um i didn't want to have to raise somebody like me and yeah. i have with ethan so mm-hmm. yeah nice. he's, he's not quite <laughs> as crazy as i was yeah in college but um yeah you know that's good yeah it was um i think one to two was interesting because we kind of had the same thing we had a little bit of a different circumstance i think because nikki um we had waited to have kids we were you know we were 
dating and engaged for three years. We got married three years to the day after we met. Mm-hmm. And then I think, let's see, Connor's almost four. So, I mean, we waited four or five years into even being married to do that. smart. But we got to the point where it was like, okay, so we had Connor. And then Nikki basically said, you know, if I'm 40 and pregnant, I'm going to be real pissed off. So we had a deadline. It's like, here's where it is. <laughs> Sounds That's, like a lawyer right yeah, there. Exactly. You know, oh, my gosh. Yeah, just, mm. yeah, exactly. If we if we haven't hit at that point, we're going to circle back to it. But no, the <laughs> j- jury is not out on this yeah. decision. This is decided. So, so Alex, so. get busy. Oh, yeah. So Well, so we, I mean, we always had the mentality because I've seen people who do this. It's like they, they stress and stress and stress and stress. And because of that stress, I'm sure that just puts a lot on your body chemically. Yeah. To not allow you to do that. So we were just kind of like, if it happens, it happens, whatever. So with Connor, it was, you know, probably a year or so before mm-hmm. um, we found out about him. And then with him, because he came so early, it was one of those things like, boy, that was terrifying. So we need to make sure if we do have another that we are, you know, she was always by the book, but like by the book, by the book. Yeah. And so, you know, we found out that we were going to have Archer, I think four months before the deadline or something like that. And of course he comes early too, but he was six weeks early as opposed to 10 and a half. And he also came out at six and a half pounds being that early. So it's like, he's healthy. We're good. It's fine. We've got our two, but Connor is this like, just, you know, even listening to his voice, like the sweet little boy, Mm -hmm. he's always just happy. You know, if he has a tantrum or throws a fit, it's always, he's always sad afterwards. And then, you know, he makes it up immediately and he's always happy. And then we had, archer and he has been he is the climber he is the terror he's constantly upset unless he's wrestling with people she's like i'm raising two completely different children neither of which i know if they take after me much so i don't know whose influence is in there but fun yeah and i'm sure your mom and dad are going ah sweet revenge oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah we we go to the lake and we always have dinner and breakfast with them pretty yeah. much every day unless we have too many people at each house uh, but if it's just you know our fam you know just the four of us and two of them we'll always have dinner together mm-hmm. and we went down this last friday night and connor was tired which it was past you know his bedtime by the time we we're kind of ready to leave and um so he's just a little whiny but he's fine and Archer is just mad. And I'm just looking at Archer, and I can see my parents out of the corner of my eye just laughing hysterically. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Enjoy. <laughs> so I it's worth it, but it's like, Jesus, guys, come on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, when you're 18, 19, 20, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing. I always love that. I always quote Mark Twain. I probably did when you were a student and mm-hmm. still do, but, yep. uh, you know, it's amazing how stupid my parents were when I was 16 and how much smarter they've gotten yeah. since then. Mm-hmm. But yeah, all those things that they told you when you were younger and stuff they had to deal with, with me or, you know, you, and yeah. your parents with you, it, it, it comes back. Yeah. And then you find yourself like that commercial where you're acting like your parents. Yeah. And it's kind of scary mm-hmm. periodically. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. 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 It, it's, I kind of, I always think I had it in the back of my mind that it, I, even as a teenager, I think it was more my dad and I would kind of get into little scrapes and stuff like that, yeah. but that was because I was sarcastic and he will not put up with anything that even resembles sarcasm. And I haven't changed much. We just now have a mutual understanding of how far that line is. Yeah. And uh, but I think it was a lot of my my mom and I always got along really well. But I can definitely see her laughing just as hysterically as anybody else in the room. Oh yeah. 
It's good. Do you remember that? <laughs> do you remember that one time that you said this, and now you're doing the exact yeah. opposite? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I do. I yeah. do. I fully admit it, but I do. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Yeah. Well, with me and Ethan, it's it's kind of like when I was growing up. You really didn't survive with four boys uh, in my family unless you were a smartass. Mm-hmm. And that was, you know, our comedy. Our you still get the brothers together. And it's kind of insane. One, mm. we're loud, we're obnoxious, and we laugh a lot. My mom's exactly the same. I mean, she's got this yep. huge, obnoxious laugh. That's <laughs> your dad. And, just sit there. Um, and... <laughs> yeah. Well, I, this is kind of the bad. My, my mom and dad were divorced when okay. I was nine. I don't oh, know if gotcha. you ever knew that. I did not. Yet. No. no, I didn't really have him, have him too much there. It's not, yeah. you know, I was going to say, it's not like a, a sad story, because I think I probably right. have a lot of attitudes yep. that I would not have had I not been raised by a single parent. Yeah, understood. So, yeah. Well, and it sounds like the one that didn't fit in wasn't there. Yeah. Sounds like she was right there with you guys. Yeah. Oh, so. yeah. She was pretty much there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so. speaking of, I have no idea how single parents do it. No. I don't either. I mean, I've seen it. Yeah. Obviously uh-huh. firsthand, but I look yeah. back on it now and all the things I kind of took for granted. I'm kind of like, how in the world did you deal with? Yeah. I mean, by the time, you know, it's three brothers and I have a stepbrother, Brian. Gotcha. And, um, by the time Brian came in the picture, my mom had remarried, but yep. there was a good seven years there where she was a single mom with three boys. And, you know, my youngest brother is nine years younger than oh, wow. me. Yeah. So yeah, when they got divorced, he was one or two years old, man, it was kind of crazy. And yeah. I feel bad for Brad sometimes. So he's a, he's a, you know, an executive at a hospital now. <laughs> Only two, not but, too bad. Yeah. He's not, yeah, he's, he's doing all right. He's doing all right. Uh, but, uh, I look back at him and man, we just, we taught him all the worst that brothers could teach you. I mean, we felt like he needed to learn how to swear and some other things, yeah. you know, so it, we just felt our brotherly duty. Yeah, of course. And, and you know, my middle brother and I are only 18 months apart. So yeah, we teamed up. It was always Mike's fault though. It was never mine. Never so yours. The middle brother. He was, he was the instigator. Gotcha. I just decided that I should follow along just in a teamwork kind of effort. Right. Exactly. Yeah. If yeah, it's yeah, going you know, to happen, yeah. we might as well, I, I might together. as well make sure it's safe. Yeah. And that as we're you know, <laughs> teaching him to say, you know, F you or fuck you or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, I was excited when I was listening to your podcast and I was going, you're swearing. Oh yeah. That's awesome. Well, yeah, I, I, I can't turn, like, I can turn that off in certain circumstances. You have like, to sometimes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but even like, my, I don't, I don't think I'm going to be one of those parents that's just like, okay, well I have to make sure it's a hundred percent clean around my kids because they'll do this. I, uh, I don't think I could do that, but definitely like I shut it down a lot when Connor and Archer are around or like, especially when other people's kids are around, but no, on the podcast, like this is, this is why I'm bringing people on that, that I can have a conversation with is because I can say exactly what I want to say and how I say it. Yeah. And sometimes that comes off sounding like a complete moron, but I can cuss. So actually I, uh, Chris, my wife, she, uh, had read a study mm-hmm. that people who swear are more intelligent than I'm, Einstein. I'm a genius. <laughs> <laughs> Look at me in rehearsal. I still feel like, you know, I played, I played football and, and basketball wasn't great at either one of them and a little bit of soccer in high school. So people still say I direct like a football coach. We just yeah. do it over and over. And you've experienced that. Of course. You know, the infamous is let's just do that one more time. Yep. Which is a complete and total lie. Yeah. How many one more times are we going to have? Even absolutely. This is the last time <laughs> is not a, a promise. Yeah. It does seem like when you hit the last time though, everybody knows like every, 
whenever I'm sure when people first start working with you, they realize that like, okay, that's not what he means though. That's one more yeah. time. It's not a one more time. But when you hit that last one, it's like you don't want to fuck that one up. Like yeah. When you hit the the really like you've done it seven or eight times, and all of a sudden you do a scene, and everybody hits like, okay, let's end that tonight. That was that was exactly what we need to end on, mm-hmm. unless somebody fucks it up. Yeah. <laughs> and I have a hard time finding the end of yeah anything. Sometimes it's yeah. kind of like I I I think it's a <laughs> gift and a curse, but. I, I I think that the beautiful thing about theater is that it brings out so many things that you didn't know you were capable of doing. Yeah. Whether it's acting, directing, um, you know, working on the set or lights or whatever. Mm-hmm. But there's, you know, somebody there that kind of pushes you or at least a hope pushes yeah. me. I mean, I had people who pushed me. Mm-hmm. And the other, the bad thing about it is, is that, I still look at, I look at shows that I direct and am satisfied, but I always look at it going, man, if I would have just helped them with this one thing yeah. or something else. And I, I kind of, as I got, as I've gotten older, cause now I've been teaching for, I, it'll be, this will be my 28th year yeah. of teaching 20 years at State Whew. Fair. I know. I'm an old fart. Jeez, it's amazing. I can still sit in this chair I wasn't and we saying, walk downstairs. I wasn't commenting on your age. It's like you put up with it. 18 to 20 year olds for that many years Jesus. You know, for the most part there's always the ones that i always feel like um 18 18 year olds kind of get a bad rap yeah i mean predominantly i've worked with some really cool people yeah you know i mean there's been some every once in a while and we could tell a few stories oh, about yeah. some of the ones that <laughs> we experienced but even you know the person that you're probably thinking of first of all if we're talking about scapino Yep. Uh, who was <laughs> Scapino the first day, and by the second rehearsal, was you were no Scapino. longer Scapino. Yeah, yeah. You were Scapino. Yeah. Um, but even he's doing seems to be doing really well. From what I've seen, it seems like he's doing really yeah. well. And he's he's reached out once or twice, once in like a group chat, and once in an individual chat, and kind of said like what was going on was really messed up back then, and apologized and that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, and he and did the same for me too. That's so great, really kind of cool. Yeah, and I'm glad he's. It seems like he's. I think what he needed was one to kind of just get out of the element that yeah. he was surrounding himself with. And I really feel like he's a at in his heart of hearts he's a very good person. Yeah. But he kind of needed to admit that he didn't have to be cool. Like you can be a nerd because I think yeah. he was always a nerd that was trying to be like the cool guy. Yeah. And he was a definitely and I think it's a badge of honor being a theater nerd yeah you know i think we're all nerds to some extent we all get you know kind of weird about something yeah you know what i mean i don't care if you're an athlete you're probably i think of it as an athlete nerd you know what i mean so it's just that we kind of say that you know nerds a bad thing i in some ways i think it's kind of a cool thing and we're though it makes us interesting as a society is that we're all you know excited about different things my wife is a management professor and um, she deals a lot with supply chain. Mm-hmm. And it's fascinating to me just, you know, we've had, and I never thought of, I think about it a little bit, but just the effects of tariffs and how much that affects the supply chain for certain products. And, yeah. you know, um, just it's like that effect of you could be looking at your phone mm-hmm. and it's come from, you know, 30 different places or yeah. whatever where they got these parts are made and put together and it's kind of a miracle of 
organization, yeah, how these things work and how it gets put together. So, and it's it's fascinating and how much it reflects um, the, the political situation, right? Well, it's it's always interesting to me because I look at that in I'm sure similar terms, but in on the other side, I look at it as far as the supply chain goes as it's always amazing to me to see that business has one goal in mind and that's to make money, whether it's for themselves or their shareholders. Mm -hmm. Um, and so they're the people in the, like they're, they want to create the most efficient system possible and have as little to do with, you know, things being stopped or charged or anything else. Mm -hmm. So they're basically trying to deliver the cheapest product, the cheapest, best product that they possibly can. And then, and again, this was the whole libertarian side of me was like, and then yeah. government steps in the way and is like, hold on. We know what we're doing. It's like, I've yeah. seen where you, like, I know who you are. No, yeah. you don't know any better than, you know, Warren Buffett, okay? And Warren Buffett's guy that's working on logistics. Uh -huh. You don't know better than him. Calm well, down. One thing I love about, if we, if we go into <laughs> politics here, the one thing I love about libertarians is at least you're consistent. Yeah. <laughs> you know, most libertarians that right. I know. I don't know that it's completely realistic to be mm -hmm. totally libertarian. No, of course not. I mean, the way we are now is, is as slowly as we change. But, yep. uh, but I will say about the supply chain, too, is that um, I find it fascinating because I love Ben and Jerry's. Mm -hmm. Just when you find out because she do, goes into the ethics of certain things. It's like yeah. the buy one, give one. Mm -hmm. You know, are you putting an industry out of business by giving one away in a poorer country? I guess right. Tom's shoes kind of started this buy one, get yeah. one, but it led to fewer jobs in the shoe industry. And I can't remember if it was uh, a country in Africa or yeah. where it was, but it, it hurt their economy Yeah, because there were so many shoes coming in that were free that they weren't buying the shoes there. Yeah. So it's just all those things you have to think about. But, you know, Ben and Jerry's has been an incredible philanthropic uh, organization and I've been to Chicago where they don't have plastics. Mm -hmm. They have, uh, it was a vegetable based spoon Yep, that they used. And I went to another one in New York. We just got back from New York city. Uh, and they had wooden spoons there. So they're very environmentally conscious and they yep. seem like a pretty ethical organization. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, and that's kind of been their MO since they started, started yeah. by a couple of hippies and they just kind of kept yeah. that, that feeling going. The, it's interesting that you bring up the thing about um, about them putting businesses out overseas because I I know there are like sock companies and shoe companies, which is Tom's. Yeah. Um, and I think it's like, I can't remember what the sock company is, but anyway, they have the same kind of idea. And uh, I think it's a wonderful idea, but when you bring up like, what is that actually, like what's the result, that, what's the unintended consequence? Yeah. And I watched a, and I really wish I could remember whose show it was, because I want to say it was John Oliver, but I think that's just because it was kind of in the same vein as mm -hmm. his show. Um, here's where our world's fucked up. Ha, ha, ha. Now yeah. I'm off air. Um, but he, they were talking about GMOs, and mm -hmm. I think they're called the government, like they basically send aid. Yeah. So they show up to countries. John Oliver, because I think I remember. Okay. Yeah, but go ahead. Sorry. But it's a, no, it's just a wonderful episode because they talk about, the unintended consequences of helping. And they were talking about Haiti had just gotten them back, but it was when the GMOs left this other country and they basically had just shipped rice like crazy to this country mm -hmm. to keep people, you know, fed and, you know, stomachs mm -hmm. full. And then the GMOs came and they were giving all kinds of other stuff like, you know, 
things like just lighter fluid or kerosene just so they could like warm their houses, light their houses because the power grid had been shut down. Mm -hmm. And it just destroyed industries. Like farmers just had to give up their properties and move to the city and basically move into hovels because that was all they could do because yeah. all their, the, their way of life got taken away. It's like, yeah, we have rice, but we don't have a livelihood. Yeah. And then when they left and went to Haiti, they just took all their shit and got out of that country because they were like, well, we've been here for five years and helped you, but now we have new, you know, new people to feed. So bye. And so basically it was just a couple of people came in and they didn't have as much money as they probably needed. It's yeah. like, let's buy these farms back from whatever bank that they're owned by and start getting farmers up. And they were just barely starting to produce rice again mm -hmm. and getting it produced. But it was like, you know, thanks for coming in and helping and don't get us wrong. We appreciate it. But you've got to learn the exit strategy, too. You can't sure. be here forever. And for GMOs, it's like that's their basis of existence. If they're not giving somebody food, there's no reason for them to exist. Like, yeah. there's no reason for them to exist for a four-year period of time if they only were needed for one. Yeah. yeah. And no organization's going to do that. And it's so hard to determine. I mean, oh, I yeah. can't imagine. You know, my wife does – I think she's she's an incredible teacher. Yeah. Um, and she pushes her students because she'll go through with these – uh, ideas that what does it mean right you know you're trying to even if and i'm not saying tom's shoes did it for the advertising or anything but right that's part of it you of know course. sometimes there's organizations that do that just because it looks cool for them yeah more so than than helping right someone else uh but it's difficult to determine because there's so many other factors when it goes in there i can't i'm not smart enough to know the right answer right uh because i think there's a lot of great organizations i mean i i use passion planners mm -hmm. and part of it is just because i like the the people <laughs> it's like a 27 year old is the oh, gotcha. ceo who yeah. started it a few years ago and i'm not an expert at them but they have a you know buy one give one and they usually have oh, people nice. from high schools and things that will write grants for their students awesome. um for planners and but you know, I think it's just kind of a cool organization, and I'm weird like that. I, I like to know where my stuff is coming from, right? And I'm, you know, probably hypocrite in some aspects of where I get things and mm -hmm. what I do. Uh, but I think we all are a little bit. Yeah, because nothing tastes like a quarter pounder with cheese. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's where I, I realized really... I'm the biggest hypocrite ever. Oh, like, yeah, I yeah. Started going granola a couple of years ago, where I was just like, you know, what I want to do is I want to grow my own food. And probably three weeks after that, I was like, but I really want a fucking cheeseburger right now. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> I usually, in fact, I've, I've done pretty well over the years. Even when you were a student, I would have McDonald's once every six months. Unless yep. it was just a coffee. I might go in and grab right. a, a coffee. Because yep. they actually have pretty good coffee. Yeah, they do now. And unsweetened <laughs> iced tea is usually pretty good. The sweetened tea has more sugar in it than I Anything. think you're type two by the end yeah, of like one so. cup of coffee. Uh, or one cup of uh, sweetened iced tea. But, um, you know, I, I just, uh, I really try not to eat there because yeah. heck, you know, gosh, now, um, Chris and I always, uh, have yogurt, Greek yogurt and granola yeah. and some fruit in the morning is kind of our staple breakfast. And then my wife is just going to start driving to your house if that's yeah, what yeah. you guys have. Well, that's cool. Morning. We, we like yeah. you guys. You can come on over and you know, we like the little ones. So, you know, <laughs> 
our our kids aren't going to have any grandkids anytime yeah. soon. I'll just so, leave you know, out the, just I'll, come I'll, out. Yeah. I'll give you guys an Irish goodbye at that point, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You like them, do you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're not doing daycare. We're not, <laughs> that's not a thing. We even said to our kids, we're not doing daycare. No daycare. This is, this is not, you know, grandpa, granny daycare. This is, uh, yeah, we would love to have you for a visit. That'd be awesome. But, uh, but yeah, so I, you know, I think that, that, um, you know, we've had salads and all that kind of stuff, oh, yeah. just about every meal, which I, it's just, so I think I'm eating healthier, although you can't necessarily tell by my waistline that I'm <laughs> well, eating healthier. You're always tall and thin though. So it yeah, works so, out. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Just wear bigger shirts. It'll be fine. There you go. Yeah. Just those, <laughs> the untucked revolution was just a beautiful thing. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, and now there's a company that's called Untucked or something. Yeah, I saw that. I was almost going to buy a shirt yeah. from them because they allowed it to be untucked, but they didn't do like a dress shirt where it's at your knees. Yeah. Because yeah, anytime yeah. I see that look, I'm just like, well, I can't pull that off because all of my stuff's like traditional dress stuff. Yeah. From back when so I wore a suit every day. Yeah, I, I do. Uh, sh- you should be getting a kickback from Untucked and Ben and Jerry's. <laughs> just now. put an affiliate and Maybe link. not from Tom's Shoes, but you know, no. the others. <laughs> You're probably good. Yeah, Tom's uh, Shoes, thank you, and also fuck, fuck off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Damn it. <laughs> you bastard. <laughs> at least you have an attorney in the family yeah. so if you get sued <laughs> i should be like that's not the law i practice yeah. and you should probably not talk not about major that kind of companies yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's all good it's all good yeah that's uh thinking about mcdonald's i was thinking about uh, do you ever listen to joe rogan or any of his stand-up or anything like that he was a fear factor guy oh yeah, yeah. i've heard a little bit but yeah. not much yeah he does ufc fights and he like i probably listen to his comedy and all, i've seen most of his stand-up and there's like 50 to 60 percent or so that I, I'm like on the floor laughing because mm-hmm. it's just so ridiculous. And then the other, it's just like you kind of get you're going off the deep end here a bit. And uh, but he had one joke about do you boycott in one of his stand up specials. Mm-hmm. It's like, do you boycott? I don't boycott. It's like if somebody came up to me and was like, dude, you shouldn't buy Nikes. Do you know who's making them? It's like, well, they're really good, though. I mean, whoever yeah. whoever that is, I feel bad for them. and They should quit. If they're not making enough, but really comfortable shoes. <laughs> He's like, you know, if they if they started advertising like the terrorist network for cell phones. Yeah, it was like he's making because it's like, you know, how is Osama bin Laden in a cave? And now we know he wasn't. But yeah. how is he in a cave? And he's got, you know, full coverage in order to make a phone call halfway across the world. It's like full bars in a cave. I'll buy I mean, that. I, I'll buy <laughs> yeah. I, when I was in, this is weird how these conversations go from several different directions. Yes. So it's, it's probably exciting that I am, and I am ADD. I was diagnosed in my 30s, but, uh, and I think it's perfect in theater because, you know, you're kind of going yeah. 5,000 things at the same time and you're going, I got to, you know, there's hyper focus moments which are beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, I'm trying to think where I was going with that. Where was I going? With I assume that? you were talking yeah, about your time yeah, in the yeah, Army. Yeah. Um, over there. Uh, we're talking oh, about. no, no, actually no. I was in, I was in, uh, Swaziland, Africa. And was that the trip you took when I was there? Yeah, probably where was. you had like really bad. What do they call that? Where you can't get your time zones back. Oh yeah. I had horrible ju- yeah, jet, jet lag. lag. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Cause you were, I think you were tired for like three weeks. Well, yeah. <laughs> Remind me, I'll tell that story. Okay. Just, but there, we had cell phones when we were going out. It was a mission trip, and we were planting gardens. And um, we would go out, and we had cell phones. There really wasn't plans in Swaziland. Mm-hmm. You just have to, they were just the prepay phones. Yeah. So you got yeah, to top any ups. convenience store, yeah, and yep. you would just buy, and they were extremely cheap. And in, we'd be out in the middle of nowhere and have incredible reception. Of course. I thought, wait a minute. 
this is a third world country, has cell phones, that has a hell of a lot better reception than, you know, I ever had with AT&T or, or whoever. Yeah. Um, you know, now I'm contemplating consumer cellular because it sells to seniors. So that, hey. that scares me just a tad. Has the big buttons. But it also yeah, <laughs> has the big buttons. Can't see those buttons anymore. Uh, but yeah, so uh, so I was just I was fascinated by that. Yeah. That I was like, it, you know, they could be 20 miles away because we were out in the middle of pretty much nowhere. Yeah. And it was crystal clear. Jeez. Like, wait a minute, I can't. I'm, I'm driving home from Sedalia to Blue Springs and hit a dead spot. Oh, yeah. And I yeah. lose a call right around Knob Monster. You know, so I'm like, mm-hmm. okay. Um, and I'm wondering if it's like the old cell phones didn't have all the crap that's in them now. Yeah. Um, but I'm also kind of wondering, like, is it just because there's there's nothing interfering with that signal? Like, if you had it a signal be, that yeah. was just shooting across but not 5 million Wi-Fi networks at every Starbucks and house along the way, then... I don't know, because yeah. I have like four bars normally down here pretty consistently, and then I'll you know go over by like the steel beam, and it'll just drop out. Like, yeah. oh, well, that's good. I'm glad I'm spending the money that I am to, yeah, yeah. to have a steel beam interfere with my signal. Yeah, but it's all cheap. <laughs> I mean, it's incredibly cheap. So oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 4,000 so service charges. Yeah. Whatever. yeah. My plan was 60, and I got charged my leg. Yeah, that's, yeah. yeah. Uh, I like it. I like it. So what about your... What about the jet lag story? Well, the jet lag story was, well, I don't know if it's interesting to anybody but me, but, you know, I decided I had this great plan. Cause it was about a 12-hour difference. And I thought, you know what? I will um, stay up all night and then sleep because we, ha- we would have a six-hour bus ride oh. to the airport in Johannesburg. And so I thought, okay, well, I'll stay up all night. I'll sleep on the bus. That's a good four to six hours that I could probably get there. And then I'll sleep some on the plane, and it'll get me back on the schedule. The problem was is that I'd met a lot of awesome people while I was there. And you kind of know me. I'm an extroverted introvert, Yep. which seems like an oxymoron completely. But I love people, but I've always been, personally, I've kind of just tried to learn to be an extrovert. Yeah. Um, But... You know, we we talked all night, and then we thought, well, you know, I, I'd be fine. I talked to everybody all night. And then I get on the bus and see other people that I'd met while I was there. And so we You ended up talking on a six hour, Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I didn't sleep probably for a good 30 hours somewhere oh, in there. And I'm, you know, even then, that was a, a few years ago. Yeah. Um, even then, I still had to have my sleep. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty worthless some people would say all the time, but uh, I'm pretty worthless <laughs> if I get less than, you know, six or seven hours of sleep. Seven's kind yeah. of my sweet spot. There. Gotcha. Yeah. So nope. it was not pretty. No, no. It you. I just pretty. remember you came back and you just, it's like, I'm just going to get through this. I was like, no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> not, not from what I'm seeing. <laughs> That's what I always know. That when the students would give me that poor Eric look. I'm yeah. Like, oh like, man, uh-huh. I must be too tired or something. <laughs> And Nikki and I, we um, we went on a trip to Italy a few years ago. It was right before. It was probably a year before, I think, we um, uh, had Connor. It was a great trip. My parents went. Her parents went. The two of us. And it was just this. We flew into Rome. And uh, we got there at like 9 a.m., which you would think would be great. It's like you spend all day in Rome. Yeah. What ended up not being great was that everybody had been on a flight for nine hours and then getting to the hotel and getting it, seeing the tiny room that we mm-hmm. had to stay in. And so... Everybody needed a drink, a really stiff drink at that point. 
And Nikki and I are fine, but I'm watching everybody else like kind of pace in this little coffee shop. Mm-hmm. It's like we've got to find something. I don't, I don't. At this point, it could be warm beer, and nobody's yeah. gonna care. And so we ended up getting through two hours where everybody was mad, and then finally at like eleven o'clock local time, found this little side of the road boutique. They had, I think they just had terrible snacks, but they had cold beer. It was like. It was like the first sip made everybody else happy. Like, okay, <laughs> now we're in Rome. We're good to go. Yeah, everybody's we're fine. Go. We're good to go. Yeah, but yeah, they gave. I ordered a an American coffee, which I figured would be like, here you go, you fat fuck. Here's your giant yeah, yeah, yeah. cup of coffee, and it came out as a teaspoon of coffee. It's like this little bitty cup. It's like, oh, God. like I haven't even eaten in a couple of hours. So it's like this. I know this is just pure espresso. Yeah. And I shot it and it was it was the strongest coffee oh, yeah. I've ever had. And so I'm like, OK, so we got to find this. We got to find yeah, this. Yeah. We got to find. But we were there for three days. And uh, the first night we had gotten in. Uh, obviously, at nine, we spent all day in Rome, went back. Just kind of hung out and uh, I, we didn't have like a late night. We didn't have an early night. It was like we just kind of found a place to eat. Went back, and the next morning, or I think it was actually like at noon the next day, we had the uh, tour of the Coliseum mm-hmm. and kind of that entire Coliseum area. Yeah, cool. And uh, so we were really excited. That was like the one reason I wanted to really do this trip. It's like I want to tour that. And they mm-hmm. had areas where like m- most tourists can't get to, so they'd get you under the under the Coliseum and everything. So we're doing this, and it's like, okay, cool. So we go to bed. We get a call from my mother-in-law. And Cheryl's like, uh, you guys okay? Like, yeah, we're fine. We're totally disoriented. I have no yeah, idea. Oh, we sure. just woke yeah, yeah. up. And um, Nikki, I hear Nikki on the phone, and I'm just like, uh, who knows? Maybe they want to meet for breakfast or something. And she was like, okay, uh, we'll uh, – and she just immediately starts freaking out. And um, I was like, what? She's like, what time is it? And I grab my phone, and it's 11.55. Like, they're there waiting for us. And this tour hasn't started yet, but they're getting ready to. Uh-huh. So we're a 10-minute cab drive from there. Oh, we are, God. I mean, I'm in like, like I said, we just crashed. So I'm in like shorts and a t-shirt. Yeah. And it's Italy, so I'm like, well, I don't want to be in shorts and a t-shirt. I want to look good. So we threw on everything, didn't shower, did the like, you know, throw water in your hair and just pray that it looks okay. We hope out. you got enough, you know, yeah. cologne or body spray to cover exactly up whatever I smell <laughs> like. Yeah. So, and you know, like it's it's like June in Rome, so it's pretty warm. Yeah. Like it's not it's not stifling, but it's it's not you can't get away with mm-hmm. having bo. And so we got there, and my dad had been talking to the guy, and everybody who knows my dad knows he can like sweet talk people. And just be the nicest guy in the world. Cool parents. Oh, yeah. yeah you got cool parents. Great parents. And so my dad's talking to this guy, and they're like 20 minutes late starting their tour because of us. Mm-hmm. And we pretty much got in the cab, and we just like threw money at the guy. Like, get to the Coliseum now. Like, I don't care what you have to do. So he just takes off, wheels. To, Nothing like a near-death experience. Oh, yeah, in exactly. A, in another country. <laughs> he so, didn't yeah. even eat coffee that morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah. He, I don't even <laughs> So, yeah, we pulled up across the street, like across the highway where they get to the Coliseum. And my parents had grabbed like our radio thing so that the guy could talk into it and kind of do the tour. But, yeah, it was like 15 people that saw the two of us and were just pissed off. But we ended up figuring out that we slept for something like 17 hours. Just straight. Yeah. yeah. 
So we were fine. Like, we felt no jet lag. It was just because we slept an extra seven hours. That yeah, we yeah. I'll, I'll take yeah. care of it pretty yeah. well. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that's my only experience with jet lag. That, 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 was, that was it. It was nothing special. It was just a weird, crazy cab ride and getting mean stares for the first 30 minutes of a tour. That's about it. I think the weirdest thing I ever had is my ex-wife had a, a job in Australia. Um, and it was weird that we left, you know, when you go there, it's a 16 hour difference. But when we went back home, we got there before we left. Oh, that'd be strange. That was pretty wild. Yeah. That was pretty wild. Yeah. So, but it was a cool, it was a cool trip. We were in Melbourne, Australia and you know, I, it's kind of like, I think you guys talked about it in your last podcast. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like, you know, the more people you meet, the more you realize, yeah, we got a lot of similarities. There's, there's, and there's differences obviously. Right. But there's a ton of similarities. Yeah. And I think that's it's, cool. It, it is. I mean, I, I think it's one of Mark Twain's lines and I, I'm glad that you're here because you can probably actually fact check me on that, <laughs> but it's one of his lines where I, I, it's like, if you travel, it'll cure that. Like yeah. if, you, if you don't understand somebody travel. Yeah. Because you will. And it's amazing. It really is an amazing thing. Like when we went to, you know, the first place I ever went out of the country was when I, I think it was a, three months after I met my wife. We were like, you know what we should do? Get our families together after we'd been dating for three months and just put all these people that have never fucking met and go to Costa Rica for a week. Cool. Like, yeah, cool. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure that will work out. It'll be bonding or end it right yeah. here. Yeah. Well, yeah, we actually had the conversation before. We're like, so if we decide that we're breaking up, we have to pretend that we're together. And it's like... <laughs> It's kind of like casting a show. It really that, is. That, that they're dating. <laughs> Which you have that experience they're still with. dating, yeah, yeah, by the end. So. But, yeah, so it was, you know, one of those things. And it obviously ended up ended up fine. And our families have been very close the, since we've met, which is great. Um, very lucky, but yeah. great. But, yeah, we, we went down there, and I'd never been out of the country. I mean, I'd barely been out of Missouri. So I'd been to New York with my mom. I'd been to California with my aunt. And, you know, New York and San Francisco, while they're wonderful places, are not out of the country. New York yeah. feels more like that than anywhere else. But you can still go and get an, you know, you yeah. can go to an English language restaurant where we went in Costa Rica. There were several expats that own different bars. Mm -hmm. um, but for the most part, we were in just a town. Yeah. So you'd go and it was like. Nikki was uh, when she was in college, she was pretty much fluent in Spanish. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I would just hand the menu to her sometimes like I, I, I this is kind of what I'm thinking. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. But I mean, you met all these locals that are just, you know, they're they're living their life. They're right. Th you know, their houses are over here. They're over here. They're over here. And oh, yeah, you go into um, we stayed in a beach town called Manuel Antonio. Um, but the main town that was about a 20 minute drive in was called Capos, and it's just mm -hmm. it's in the middle of this beautiful valley. But to call the town beautiful would be untrue. Yeah. But um, I think we freaked the town out because it was, you know, me, my dad, and my brother-in-law, who are um, at the time especially were were very much uh, consumers of beer. We we enjoyed our fair share, mm -hmm. and then you know Nikki, my mom, and uh, Bill and Cheryl would either drink beer or they'd have something else. But we would literally go into this like Walmart subsidiary grocery store in the middle of Capos, and I think we terrified everyone because they just had like the old like Sam's Club like twenty four yeah. carton, yeah, and they just had those, and we're like, okay, so how much do we need for today? 
I probably should get six of these, right? Okay, cool. <laughs> and so we'd go, and they just so the look fact at that it. You didn't die from alcohol. Oh, I know. On yeah, this trip is, well, is that, a minor miracle. Well, that's the best part. So most of it down there, at least from the ones that we were drinking, because we're all beer pansies too. Like we're, yeah. we're not drinking Guinness. Yeah. But uh, but it was I so don't like fun. beer. I can chew so. exactly. <laughs> so we were drinking like Imperial Light, which Imperial Light was like a five to six percent, so it was pretty low ABV. But there was one, and it was the really good one, was Bavaria Light. Mm-hmm. And Bavaria Light, I will never forget because each individual can, and it was probably like each individual six pack, but it really felt like each individual can had a different uh, alcohol volume. Mm-hmm. So you'd pick up one and be like, oh, this is 3-2 beer. And then the other one would be like seven. Yeah. Like, who is, what crazed monkey is making this <laughs> beer? <laughs> like, what, 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 what zoo are they making yeah. this out of? Because nothing is consistent at all. But it would just crack me up. And, of course, like they ran out of Bavaria Light for a couple of days, and I was really sad because it was like, no, this is the most entertaining part of this the beer experience down here. Yeah, it's so, just varying your levels. Yeah, and you have no you idea. You can disguise the beers and not know which one is which exactly. until you've drank a few of them. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it was – but, I mean, it was a fun trip. But, again, like we saw the locals that were there. It was right in the middle of an election, so we got to see, like, oh, everybody's as psychotic about elections as we are. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe even more so because they had, like – I mean, everybody was – wearing like the color you know that was kind of the color of their guy yeah and uh it was it was kind of insane but we went there and then going to italy same exact thing i mean even you know even on the trips we've gone to mexico where we're staying at resorts that are without question there for tours from the u.s or britain or australia Mm -hmm. it's you're still meeting people you're still talking to people unless you just completely stick your you know nose up at people you're gonna you know meet some of the guys and gals that are working there yeah they're all wonderful people like, oh, I think it's just cool just to go yeah. somewhere and just start up a conversation. Yeah. I mean, I was we were just in New York, and, you know, here's me eavesdropping. There was an actor who was in Inc., mm-hmm. which is really kind of a cool story. It's on Broadway now. I think it's closing in early July. Yeah. But it's kind of the story of the son. It's not really about Rupert Murdoch, but Rupert oh, okay. Murdoch uh, is a— prominent member of the story but it's gotcha. more about the editor that took it to the number one paper when it was like number five mm-hmm. you know of the papers and really just for lack of a better term and probably not a correct one but a, the redheaded stepchild yep. of the newspapers and took them to number <laughs> one not necessarily by ethical methods i mean the, no. the thing that finally put them over the edge was um you know a a wife of one of the executives was kidnapped and eventually killed and they followed that story and dear god there's some people that say that it you know it, it might have been now i don't know how totally historically accurate this is right i don't know the story well enough to say yeah it's absolutely but at least portrayed in the play um they kind of led you to believe that some of this coverage had something to do with her being killed gotcha. or at least the, the people that had kidnapped her, you know, made references to that. Okay. And, and then, you know, what put them over the edge was putting a nude woman in the, in the paper. So Smart. they, they were trying to take over the mail. Yeah. Um, and they did <laughs> with this one, this one newspaper. Uh, but I was just, we we're in a little diner that was close to our hotel where we were staying and I just listened to a guy who was talking about acting in a show. Mm-hmm. And I said, really, what, what show are you in? And he said, Inc. So I, we kind of looked interesting to me, but it wasn't something that Chris was necessarily crazy about. Right. But we went to it just because he said, you know, hell, you know, if you 
So I kind of made a conversation with him and the guy that was at the table they were talking to and, you know, said I teach theater and stuff like that. And, um, you know, eventually got a backstage tour. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) And so it was, it was cool. I mean, and it's really, there's a lot of opportunities that you can have just if you're willing to kind of break the ice. Right. With someone, get to know someone. Well, I think we all have connections to each other in one way or another. I mean, you can find the most opposite of you individual in the world and still find something that you guys like. Yeah. So, but that's, I mean, I'm sure he probably likes that because if, I mean, any, I've got to say any, anybody that I've ever known that's either acted, even if it was minor one play, something like that, there is something different about your director than there is about any other teacher. Yeah. There just always is. It's like, you know, kind of like you're, you know, the one elementary school teacher that you really remember. It's mm-hmm. like you have an affinity to that person more than you do everybody else. But it's always been like that with directors because, you know, you really do. I mean, you spend you spend a lot of time together. Yeah. I mean, and especially if you're ever lucky enough to have, you know, a, a role where you're a pretty prominent character. You're one of the leading characters or, you know, kind of bigger supporting characters. You're there a lot. Yeah. And I think that there's when you have a director and you're always so good about this. When you have a director that knows that you're in it just as much as they are, there's a yeah. a lot of respect there. It's like, cause I would always look at it. Like that's what I was saying earlier when we were upstairs. It was like, I always just knew like once per show you were going to go off. And it's like, well, you know, and it was never, it was never a negative thing. Yeah. It's always like, yeah. Uh, probably because the guy's teaching classes, directing, taking care of all the other stuff. You were the director of the theater department, so on your weekends, you're also going and like seeing plays with the people that you're trying to recruit to bring into the program. Yeah, sure. And and we decided this today to like fart in the middle of a scene or something just dumb. Yeah. It's like, yeah, of course he's going to get pissed off. Like, yeah. He's a little stressed. Yeah. But then, yeah. I mean, and there's so many people that are like this. It's like you blow your top, come back the next day, everybody's fine. It's done. But don't get offended. Like, yeah, that's that's the biggest yeah. thing. It's like we're all in this together. And again, I think that if you if you are lucky enough to be in one of those roles where you're just on set a lot, you have that respect because you see that like you feel like you're on set a lot. They're on set all the time. Yeah. And so that was always with me. You know, whenever you and I would work together, that's where I was always I, I just never minded stuff like that. And Mr. I mean, Mr. Beam was the same way. Yeah. We just, there was, and I love Mike Beam. He's oh, yeah. just incredible. Yeah. I mean, he's a cool guy. He was a great director. We, you know, we always had a good relationship. And, but I mean, you know, when we did like, when we did Anasazi, which is, we always kind of, you know, laugh a little bit about because there was some just crazy moments in that show. But, you know, the show had 33 musical numbers. He, we had a huge set. You know, it was a two-act play that should have been three because it was just such a massive production. And it's a musical, so now you're talking about not only 33 songs, but 100 people, yeah. it felt like, on stage and around stage and a band and everything else. And so, like, I think that time he went off two or three times. Not not to me once or twice, but it was like there there would always be those moments mm-hmm. where it would happen. It's like, just, it's okay. Like, that this is what, like, we're all stressed. Yeah. Let it happen. Yeah. Like, it, Nobody is mad at you. Yeah. Just let it go. And honestly, that's part of what I like because then you're, you become human. Yeah. Like it humanizes everybody to each other. And so, you know, when you have a bad day, guess what? That's part of them doing their job as a director as well. And this is all to basically tell you this is why I never could do, a, I could never be a director. I, I, don't, I, I, have two, <laughs> I have two children and I can't 
handle them sometimes. I can't well, imagine you know, dealing with I can, 20. I can handle college students better than I can my own children. <laughs> and I don't know that I handle college students. I just, you know, I think like we, you know, talked about before, I think that they're just, there's an incredible amount of good young people. Yeah. And there are a lot in the arts. Yeah. Because really, if you're involved in the arts, in most of the arts, it's just a, a labor of love. Yeah. You know, if you're in any of it, whether it's acting or whatever for the money, then at least in my opinion, you shouldn't do it. Right. Because it's it's something that you do because your your body, your mind, your soul tells you you have to do it. Yeah. I, I call it the love-hate relationship. Yeah. With theater that um, I've always maybe had a little chip on my shoulder. I've always been an underdog person. So yeah. That's why, you know, I rooted for the Royals. They win a World Series every 30 years. No exactly. So by the time I'm in my 80s, <laughs> by gosh, yeah, I will have another one. Uh-huh. We'll have another one. And, you know, I root for the Chiefs, which I wasn't even a Chiefs fan the last time they won the Super Bowl. Oh, yep. they came close. <laughs> don't even want to get into that. Yeah, yeah, D Ford. I was kind of, I think a lot of people in yeah. Kansas City were like, it's probably good that you're gone. Yeah. Love you, but it's probably good that you But you let's left. face it, you know, the defense sucked. The defense was awful. Yeah. And so that I, just that I proved hope. it. Yeah. <laughs> but I was at that game. Oh, were you? It was, yeah, if you. uh was freaking I, cold, too. Yeah. I, uh, so my brother, it was me, my brother, and two of his buddies, um, and we were there it was completely cold we didn't move the whole time i actually missed overtime i had to leave when we did the coin flip because i was so cold that i was not going to go up into the uh the main area the walkway because it was just uh, sh- like sheer wind was going through yeah. it and it was cold i was like i'm not gonna pay i'm not gonna pay one where they got the coin flip or the coin toss i was like i know it's gonna happen i'm out yeah like, because that's oh, the already. same thing on tv going, yeah uh, yeah but yeah, there's a. I posted a picture. I can't remember if it was on Instagram or if I posted it on Facebook too. But I'm in my dad's stadium jacket, which has been to like every one of the big games because mm-hmm. they're all cold games. But I've got his stadium jacket and like four layers on top and bottom on top of the jacket. Yeah. And my brother had gone out and thank God he bought these like Mortal Kombat masks. Yeah. So if you look at that picture, it's Brady's head right there, and you see this guy in a giant red coat and a like Sub Zero Mortal Kombat mask. That's me. Oh, I'm about to go back and look at it. Yeah, you'll, so, yeah. you'd never notice <laughs> if you if you had it. Like there's not even enough on my face to see that I have eyes. Really, it's just a little bit to to show you. Yeah. yeah, like it wasn't one of those games. Where you're like, oh, Alex is in the background. It's like some. Fat guy in a red coat's in the background. Like, oh no, he's just got seventy layers. He has on. Seventy layers. On, so yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna go back and look at that. I yeah. had a friend in college who said he was in the Blues Brothers, and there's like this moment where it's not listed in there. Some guy is dancing on a table, and it kind of looked like him. Yeah, but I always thought he was full of shit. Yeah, you're like, you just found you know, somebody. Yeah, that you look yeah, like. yeah, yeah. You yeah. kind of like because he danced on the table for like a second and a half and fell. Yeah, you know what I mean. He said that was me. You know, you know not. <laughs> Twitter, well, based on the behavior, yes, but yeah, nah. but not necessarily. Yeah, <laughs> um, um, okay, maybe, yeah. maybe. I still don't know this day if it was really him because I've looked at the credits and everything, Nothing. and there's no you know guy dancing on table. Yeah, which damn it, yeah. I, yeah. So I don't know what's happening there. But so what? Um, so when you're looking back at you know since this is going to be your last year, like you said, you're going to do your last show. Like your time, you were at what was the college that you were in? That was was it Crowder College? Crowder from College, ninety two to two thousand. That's right. And then so you, then you came to State Fair, 
and you've been there since, so you have quite the career there. And when you look back at the shows, like what's, I don't want to say like what's your favorite cast or what's your favorite moment or anything like that, but what is kind of the, are there things that stick out? Oh, sure. I mean, there's always things that stick out. I mean, I think of really, and not just schmoozing you because I'm talking to you. Um, I would never worry about that. <laughs> never worry about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, always, always smooth, Alex. Uh, but I think of, you know, like that experience with Scapino. Yep. You know, where, where you were not cast as Scapino mm-hmm. the first day, the yep. read-through, but you were cast as Scapino the second day. Yep. Because at that time, and I still kind of have this attitude of, um, you know, if you're going to do what you said you would do and be responsible for it. I mean, I think I'm, I can be understanding about certain things, but yeah. you know, this guy, and I don't want to get into details of right. the story, but I, I knew what he was doing that night and he came right. back with a bullshit story and, and, you know, so I, but I, I thought it was a good lesson for him, mm-hmm. but I also was proud of you. Cause I think you kind of stretched yourself to do some things that you hadn't done yeah. before. Uh, that was without question my favorite show that I've been in. Really? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, the I have wonderful memories of certain shows. I mean, even in, you know going back to high school, you know being in Guys and Dolls that being the first time, and I remember mm-hmm. the moment I came out on stage for the first time. I remember being on Asazi and some of the weird stuff that happened there. But just like kind of knowing that the cast took thirty three songs and made it. I mean, that was yeah. more than Jekyll Hyde. Yeah. So it was kind of a crazy show to put together in a very short period of time. You know, I mean, th- we had grit doing Over the River was fantastic because, because yeah, again, that's, the that's cast still one was, of my favorite shows. Yeah, and uh, the cast that we had was incredible. Yeah. And so, like, I was just very happy to do some of those. And, you know, even, like, there's probably only one at, at State Fair that I can say was not my favorite, which you probably know the one. Um, but, like, even when, when I came through and, like, Mike came in and did Dark at the Top of the Stairs. Yeah. It's, like, probably not a show I would normally pick off the shelf. But it was fun because, like, here's my high school director directing me in my first college play. Yeah. That's awesome. But with Scapino, like, I read the role that you had me initially cast as. And um, the guy who took it over did a great job. But it was, like, I on paper, I was, like, well, yeah. And it was Jesse, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yep. Yeah. And so Jesse and took it over. It was a great opportunity for him. Yeah, and he, he stretched been, himself too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah the, that individual kind of messing up ended up being a good thing for the, the acting quality, I think, of everybody there because everybody kind of had to shift around and do their thing. But, you know, I read the script for that role and was like, of course that's the role I'm going to get cast in. Yeah. Um, but then with Scapino, I'm reading through that, and I remember about a week in, um, we hadn't worked on it at all. And you're like, we're not going to worry about the Italian accents. Just do what you're going to do. Because mm-hmm. at this point, this is going to be a complicated enough show. Because there's so many little pieces. Yeah. That was the thing I'll never forget. It's like all just the little moments. Like me and Jesse being on top of that like 12-foot rafter, yeah. pretending to play the ukulele and singing a song. Or everything. And you got to beat Trevor Belt with a three-foot sausage. Exactly. So, you know, I remind him about that all the time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I need to dig out that picture. I know the exact picture. I just, you know, yeah, not it's not every day that no. people get to beat someone else with a foam sausage. No, it's not. Yeah. And it's not every day that you have a director that's nice enough to let you take a couple of outtake pictures. Yeah, that, that, that allow it to look as inappropriate as possible. Absolutely. But yeah, one of uh, the moment that I remember from that show, um, as far as rehearsal is concerned, 
because it was just a fun show overall to yeah. do, you know, when you get the crowd involved in the end and everything else. But um, was the moment where, because Anchorman had, like, just come out, and I looked under the bridge and said, bark twice if you're in Milwaukee, when Trevor <laughs> was coming on stage. And I meet him, and it's one of those moments where he's coming slowly and I come up fast, but we both meet at the same time, and yeah. we're, like, two inches apart. And I ne- will never forget that we were supposed to really have that part down. And I said that, and it was new. And we hit that moment, and I just see Trevor completely break. And so yeah. I started laughing. And you may or may not have come up and hit me on the back of the head. Like, okay, that's hilarious. Get- I have never done that <laughs> in my entire career. I don't not know what you're talking about. Not one time. Not one time. What scares me is that, you know, uh, let's just make this, clarify this in case the authorities are listening. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I, uh, you know. Right. It's really a light tap. It's yeah on it, the back of the head. And what's weird is that um, some students, after a while, it's kind of like a rite of passage for some yeah. weird reason. It's just you know, it's just kind of a flick of the wrist on the back of their head, and um, they'll come over and they'll lean their head down. Just, I did no, that. I yeah. I did I, that I, all the time. And they still do it now. <laughs> like, really, this is probably not in any of the books about. You know, pedagogy. It just it doesn't have anything in there as far as how teaching methods. But but I think there is something to it because I I mean you're it, as odd as it's going to sound. It's like in some ways you know like you said it's a rite of passage, but it's almost like a you know it, it's an endearing thing. I mean it really is. Like this is not. It's not like you came up and just smacked somebody. It's like it's this little like that's yeah. it. And much Especially, unlike the shoe incident, but we won't. Yeah. <laughs> you guessed my favorite show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was that was another interesting one. But yeah, but the but the tap is just I mean, that was that was a rite of passage without question. I think I got one or three of those everything every single show. But it was always and I mean most of the time it was always something like that where it was just like, You know better. Yeah. Stop it. <laughs> or somebody just say something, you know, stupid or yeah. or whatever. So yeah. 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 Uh, if I ever got angry, it was the vein that shows up in the forehead and you know, know it well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You've seen it a few times. Yeah. I um, just always shut the fuck up when I saw you getting mad. It was like, Psh, not going to yell directly at me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you well, get, it's like, I've you got, can be mad at the cast and you're never going to get mad directly at me. Cause I'll see that and just go, okay, I really have to focus right now. Yeah. Well, I have this great, she just graduated and she's going to, um, University of South Dakota. She's doing North Dakota Shakespeare right now. Oh, nice. And yeah, I think I think her show may have already closed, but if not, it's got another week or something yep. like that. Um, but she's an incredible young woman. Was a gymnast in 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 high school. Um, ended up breaking her back and, oh, and God. became you know took that really as far as I can tell. Never ever. I'm sure she did. She had to have felt sorry for herself because right. she was pretty close to a world class athlete. Jeez. Her sister is at uh, OU. Oh yeah, and um, she actually has a, and it's officially called the Dowel, mm-hmm. a move in gymnastics that's on the scorecard now. That I wow. can't remember exactly what it is, but yeah. it's really kind of cool. But Lauren was kind of like that. But you know, she's just one of those people that's just incredible. Yeah, incredibly positive, um, and even she's got a, you know. A, Oh, yeah. Flick on the back of the head. Of course. But, yeah. But she was, we were talking about the things when I would get upset and talk. And she said, you know, I gym, gymnastics for however many years. Yeah. And she was seven or eight years old. She said, this is nothing. No. 
compared yeah. to that. I mean, people are getting kind of sensitive about it. And I don't think I ever, you know, I've said some things that I regret over the years, like everybody does of when they get upset. But I think most people know that it's out of, you know, um, we could go into psychology, but just my desire to, we talked a little bit about, and I never finished the thought, but about being an underdog that I've always felt like teaching for State Fair Community College because just by the name, right. it doesn't get a ton of credibility. I personally think it's a good school. Yeah. I really do think it's a good school. And I think we work really hard in the theater program. <coughs> and um, But it's like I, I, I don't want people to come to a show and think that eh, it's pretty good for a community college show. Yeah, I think one of the greatest things that State Fair has going for it I mean, because the staff is amazing. You guys have always put together amazing sets and costumes Thanks, and everything. I'll pay you later. Yeah, no, I yeah. not. There's a reason I went. <laughs> but um, you but got no. a scholarship. That was the first reason because you've always been financially. I've always been fin uh, financially yeah. sound. So, yeah. yeah, but no, it, the, really, the big thing was, and again, this is also part of recruitment. If you yeah. talk about that, is you walk into that theater and go, I get to act here. Yeah. This That's is a, a beautiful great, theater. Yeah, and it's Everybody's not too surprised. big. It's not too small. But it's it's amazing. You can be on stage, and you can as, as long as you know how to do it, you can project your voice out, and you don't have to really struggle because it's not huge. Yeah. I mean, Mr. Beam always had that complaint about um, Ray Peck's theater because when they were building it, and he was part of the process, but when they were building it, they said, well, we need not only a theater, we need a like a conference area. Yeah, those you know, multi-purpose centers. Are, yeah, yeah, and he hated it. Yeah. It's like it doesn't give you the sight lines you need. Yeah, it's short to the back, but it's really wide, so that means it's a wide oh, yeah, set. yeah, it's a really curved area. It's a, yeah. You know, it's... Yeah, yeah, so it's, they were always fighting the set. Yeah. And with yours, it's like it's super deep. Yeah. You know, you've got the ability to drop things in. I mean, it's, it's a great setup. So when you walk into that theater, it's like... Okay, this is awesome. Everybody has good sight lines. The person in the back has just as good as the person to the front as far as sight lines are concerned. So, I mean, that's to me, that's one of the biggest things. And then you get to actually see the productions that are put on there. Yeah. You're like, oh, this is a community college. So talk bad about it now. Yeah. yeah. I, the only thing I wish they'd do is figure out a new name. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I, you know, I was a student there. I was a graduate. In fact, it's yeah. kind of crazy that when I think about it that since 1975 we've had two theater program coordinators ron winnegar was there from 75 to 2000 and i've been the program coordinator there since 2000 yeah and you know a person you know we um kristen yeah um, but she she hopefully will get the job yeah after me i mean uh, she's been kind of waiting for me to retire for a while. <laughs> uh, that seems like a smart move on yeah, her part yeah and she's great and she's got you know, two master's degrees in speech communication and, and theater. And she's been, you know, working there as a, we call them navigators, but mm -hmm. she's probably going to take over after that. But, um, you know, I think one of the things I loved about, I came back one because I loved my experience because, you know, I, I had a background. I really hadn't done any theater yeah. and I felt bad about it. Cause I really went, I went to graduate from Belton high school. I went to three different high schools. You graduated from Belton? I did. Yeah. I didn't know that either. Yeah, I went to Springfield, Illinois, Landfair High uh -huh. School for my freshman and half my sophomore year. I went to uh, Warsaw High School in Warsaw, oh. Missouri. Striving which, to be drug free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but that was culture shock right there, going from a, a huge school <laughs> to, to Warsaw. Warsaw. Yeah. Uh, it's, it was a cool experience, too. Yeah. And then we moved to Belton for half my junior and my senior year. That's And I've got a really good friend. I mean, I think of it as a really good friend. Great guy named Joel Short, mm -hmm. who was there for 
25 or 30 years. I mean, he was there for a long time. And I really wish I would have gotten involved in theater because I got to know him later, and he's just an incredible yeah. human being. Um, but, you know, I didn't get involved in theater until Ron Winnegar offered me extra credit to go audition for a play, and it was called The Year Christmas Was Forgotten. Yeah. And it really was the show that should have been forgotten. But, <laughs> you know, I had a cheesy character, didn't know what the hell I was doing, but once yeah. you hear somebody laugh out in an audience, it was... And personally, mm-hmm. um, Ron Winnegar probably one of the people that helped me from a self-esteem standpoint more than uh, many people you know I can think of many people in my life that have just kind of you know challenging me and getting me to do this I think I've met people that are maybe better directors but he was um really he has a degree in counseling yeah and I still talk to him today but really someone who influenced me incredibly and slowly I changed from, you know, a business major when I was there. I still have a minor in business to uh, speech communication. Right. And then went on for my master's in, in theater with the intention of maybe someday coming back to state fair and teaching. But even ever since I was even a student, I thought, man, we just need to change this name. Yep. Yeah. And that would mean so much. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I really do think that because... I always, I'd never, and this is probably not a positive thing. It probably just shows more about like my, my issues, but like I always write that I graduated from SFCC. Oh yeah. <laughs> I try to put SFCC on you yeah. know, stuff that I write anyway. Yeah. But it's, it, you know, it's, it, it's one of the few colleges that I know of that's named after an event. Right. Think about any other, I can't think of any other school that's named after an event. No. And yes, we are across the road from the community college or from the state fair, but you know, it was a naming contest. Yeah. And the first time nobody entered it. Yep. And um, I've actually seen the letters from the naming contest. And a lot of people, they're endeared to it. So I don't want to insult someone who loves the name. I do. Yeah. I, I, I won't. Yeah. <laughs> um, I no, still haven't retired yet. Yeah. I signed my contract, so I'm good. So, Eric, uh, we saw you on this podcast. And yeah, I, yeah, yeah. You seem nice, but that guy's an asshole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's not like he went here or anything. <laughs> but, you know, there were two other names, and I think one of them was, I mean, there's the Scott Joplin Festival. Mm-hmm. Uh, but someone said Scott Joplin College or Community College. They were probably and, like, well, there's another city in Missouri called that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then there was another one called Mid-Missouri College, which I always, I kind of like that. That I one works. It, yeah, Mid-Mo is just kind of what. Exactly. What would, now, you know, who knows? But I always thought that was kind of a cool name. But yeah. there's a lot of, you know, significant people in Sedalia's history that we could name the college after or. Yeah. You know, there's all kinds of things. Um, you know, the Alex Howell. Um, yeah, uh, that's the uh, first name they're going to come up with. Absolutely. Like, that one uh, guy who played the dead guy? Yeah, that'll yeah, work. That's, 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 good. <laughs> that's good. Didn't we see a picture of him with a three-foot sausage? <laughs> I don't think we can name it after yeah. him. What's like well, every... That was the picture we're going to put right at the, you know, the entrance. Awesome. Fair, yeah. yeah. That's that's how you know you're here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alex. Alex and his sausage. Yep. It's got to love it. Yeah, that was... That was a weird script to read through. It was like between the sausage and everything else. It was like beats him with a sausage inside the sack. Hmm. What kind of show? Like, what kind of show is this? <laughs> like a really good one. Like, okay, I guess we're yeah. doing this. <laughs> yeah, and Mike Beam was the one actually who suggested I read that. Yeah, you know, I 
I still think some of some of my strengths, especially with the almost one more time mentality, I don't do as many anymore because I um, and spam a lot will be kind of like that. But I'd always I think I'd done well with farces. Yeah, because I'm good with you know really working out timing and that mm-hmm. type of thing. Yeah, with, with kids. Well, and it's it's one like it's you get the laughs, but you also pretty quickly especially if you have like people that are in their first year there if you have a really strong first year class if you can do a farce then you i mean if you do something like the foreigner first where you know the choreography is built in and everything's there yeah and it's probably it's at this point got to be way too easy for you to do the foreigner but if you do something like that you teach kids the comedic timing so then when they come in the next year then you can do a show that's as insane as scapino is yeah and you know that you've got a crew that knows how to like hold for the laugh and then start their line sure because that was where i and i told Corey this on the podcast it was like that was something that will always be ingrained in my mind about waiting for the laugh and kind of just knowing that timing. Because if it's a bet, like if you just don't deliver it right, or if that crowd doesn't like it, then you need to continue going, but you need to have at least that bit of a pause to know if they're going to start laughing or not. And that was a lesson I learned. I think my first show doing guys and dolls, because I was mm-hmm. next to uh, the girl. Um, I think uh, it was Audrey Burke who played um, uh, Adelaide. And there's a scene between Sky and Adelaide mm-hmm. and we're talking and she delivers a line, which looking back should have been the most obvious, like, what are you doing? Even thinking well, there's always the line where you go, I had no idea that was yeah. funny. Yeah. So, and again, first show. So I, I didn't know, mm-hmm. sure. especially as a like 18 year old, like, Oh, it's funny. That's neat. I don't even know what it's talking about. Oh, that's why it's funny. But she says it. I say my complete line. While the crowd is just hysterically loudly laughing, uh-huh. so nobody heard it. It was a fairly important line that set her line up. So w- all she did in the moment was just clip my line, set it, and then set her part and set us right back on the right track. Yeah, it's like, and now I know. I, you know, that's when you just realize, like, okay, you've you've done this before. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it's it's one of those things where you can never anticipate a laugh because every audience is different. Yeah. And it's absolutely true. I mean, I don't care how many times you see a show, you're going to see something a little different. And that's even with a good show that's well rehearsed, that's incredibly prepared. Yeah. Every audience is a little different. What they laughed hysterically at, you know, we can even go through a pattern of performances. And I can tell you the basics of each night and how they will react Uh to a particular show, depending on what kind of show it is. Yep. Yeah, well, so. Sunday matinees are always famous for the. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and you know the, Gotta the wait for Wednesday Thursday hit. night crowd might laugh at everything sexual because that's usually the college students or younger yep. ones that, exactly that come to that, and the Sunday matinee just they will not. Mm, I don't want to totally stereotype that, but but that's what happens. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they well, may think dropping an f bomb is hilarious on Wednesday, but not so much on Sunday. Right. Yeah. And it's, I mean, that's one of the best things about live theater is that if you, I mean, even if you anticipate it and know and it follows exactly the same pattern as you're used to, then you just know how to perform it a little differently. Yeah. Like, that's why it'd be awesome if every single show went for two weekends, because then it's like, okay, I didn't feel like I nailed a Sunday matinee, but now that I see their lap, like, now that I know what that pattern looks like, maybe I can try it a little differently this time. Yeah. So... Yeah, I mean, I think that the one thing I love about theater is whether it's for a director or a, I love sound design. I think I've mm-hmm. uh, worked on some sound design. Most of my shows I've worked on my own and then worked on others for uh, sound design. Um, but, you know, what I like about it is it's just a constantly growing. I'm by no means. I 
had you know 30 some odd years in theater yep and i don't know if you think that you know everything about theater you are absolutely wrong yep no matter what mm-hmm. i mean i always try not to get i try not to get too high after a show and i usually don't but i also have worked on not getting too low yeah after a show mm-hmm. just because um you know people will people sometimes come up to you and say that's the best show i've ever seen but they said that the last show right that they came to yeah and then there's others you know like i always respected you know we we're kind of going back it seems like the mike beam show now but i went back to mike beam and i still remember when he saw me in college mm-hmm. and really gave me just some genuine compliments that you could tell were heartfelt. Yeah. And I've just always respected Mike. Yeah. Just because he wouldn't lie to you. Mm-hmm. No. And never. he would, uh, if he really thought you did something well, then he would genuinely compliment you. And that's somewhat of a, a rarity, I yeah. think, where, you know, we find people that will criticize all the time. But um, I do think finding someone that just genuinely looks you in the eye and goes, you know, you were, you did that really, really well, whatever it was. Yeah. And uh, I still remember that. Mm-hmm. And even when I didn't know who he was, because he came there to see Todd Chnocky, who lives, who uh, works at Rainbow Peculiar yeah. High School and an incredible yeah. uh, director, I think a great director too. And I went to school with him. Um, but uh, yeah, he just would come up to me after the show was over. Yeah, and just talked to me for a little bit. And there were two shows that he saw that I was in with Todd, mm-hmm. and uh, he came up specifically and talked to me afterwards. So, yeah, I don't know that I'm the most talented director. I know I'm not the most talented director or actor that's ever been on stage, but I've done a few things I think that are pretty good. Yeah, um, well, those are the moments you live for too. Yeah. I mean, yeah, those those little, and you never know when it's going to happen. But I mean, one of mine was when I was in high school and I did Over the River and Through the Woods, and there's that really intense speech like right before he goes into the house for the last time. And I'll never forget that because I, I did it one night, and I don't think it was opening night. I think it was on the it was the Friday night show. And um, I, had just, I just got it right. Just yeah. one of those moments where it was like, holy shit, so uh, like all the work ahead of time actually turns out pretty well. Mm-hmm. I need to remember that. yeah that's kind of like the uh the shows that nothing goes right or you know um and that's what i always swore that i've had a couple of times and it's been last time with the 90s where someone went blank and it was absolutely obvious to the audience yeah um and then i swore that that would never happen so that probably goes into the one more time thing that Uh if you know if this is not going to be a good show, it's not going to be because of lack of effort. Yeah, exactly. We're going to put a ton of effort into it. And I always hated the ones that said, you know, it'll pick up when we get an audience. Cause like, you know, no, you, you can't rely on an audience to give you energy. No, the audience there. isn't there for you. You're not yeah. there for the, or you, the audience isn't there for you. You're there for the audience. So yeah. you better have it right before you get on stage. Yeah, And you have to dictate to them in some ways how this, you know, you can't, and that's what's always hard first time when you get people out of high school is that it's kind of hard for them to understand that because a yeah. lot of times you'll go see a show and it was maybe you look at opening night and you go and they'll say man it's a lot better than tech rehearsal was and I'm like oh, <laughs> oh god and it you know <laughs> most of the time and some of those things not most of the time I don't want to mm. insult people because I, I think that people doing theater whether it's incredible theater or just okay theater yeah it's still a cool experience for oh, everybody yeah. involved. Yeah. Um, 
And um, I think that uh, if you use that as an excuse, you're, you just weren't prepared yeah. for an audience. Yeah. The so. worst, the absolute worst mistake I ever made was, you know, the two monologue, it's not two monologues, it's two, it's, it's one scene, but it's kind of, it, it, it feels like two and over the river. And it's the first act where he, they're having the conversation. Then he almost leaves, comes back into the room and then leaves again. Yeah. I left the first one. And I'll never forget that because your, I'm your literally were pissed after that. Oh, <laughs> I, I felt that's the worst I've ever felt. And oh, I, yeah. I've had my moments, but like the, the one where I just delivered the line wrong. It's like, that's a lesson. That's not a, that's not a complete fuck up. This was a fuck up. Yeah. And I was mad at myself and I went backstage because I left and I couldn't even like stand to like be around anybody. I was so mad. And because I'm closing the door and it was like, as comical as it gets as for as bad as it got because I'm closing the door. Everyone else on stage knows that I'm messing up and yeah. I don't. But when I'm closing the door, I see uh Shay Kaufman mm-hmm. and his eyes were like three inches big. Like where the hell are you leave? going? We, doing? <laughs> we can recover at this point. It was like, no, you can't. <laughs> I'm out of here. Yeah. So I eventually like, I heard the first act end, and I went back and is I, that just, when, you, when Nick is yelling at the grandparents. Yeah. That moment. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So it's upset, upset. And I just went to straight yell yeah. and close the door. And so I went back and apologize. I mean, everybody's pissed off at me. Like there's, there's no hiding it, but it was just like, I'm sorry. Like that 100% on me. That was not you. Whatever happens, blame this guy. Luckily, I don't think it's as important to the audience as it looks as it is on stage, that mm-hmm. particular interaction, because the second act kind of brings all the emotion into it. That was just like, here's yeah, why that, I'm mad. That's the scene right before the end of the act where he, yeah, because yep. you have to come back and have a panic attack, which sets up the whole second act. Exactly. So, yeah, it's not a good scene to forget there. Nope. Uh-uh. <laughs> it wasn't. You can't improv your way out yeah. of that sucker. But I do think Mr. Beam came back and he figured it out. Like, he figured out, like, okay, so here's what we're going to do. And, again, like, that's the best thing about him is, like, once the show is done, it's it's your show. Yeah. And you got to figure it out. It's like, okay, so here's what we're going to do. So I think we did the panic attack and then immediately moved into the next part. Mm-hmm. And that was what happened. So we opened up with a bang. There you go. <laughs> but, yeah, it was – oh, God, that was, the, that was the worst. I felt horrible. But, again, recovered. And the next night, the show was as good as it ever was. Yeah. So it felt bad for the Friday night crowd, but Saturday night crowd got a great show. Well, for the most part, the Friday night crowd may not have known that. But right. Yeah, I still remember there was – I just went blank yep. for a second in the female odd couple. Um, I played Jesus, and it wasn't even noticeable to the director, but to me it felt like an eternity. Yep. And I just picked it right back up. But I was like, uh, oh, it's I like me. Be there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me and the monologue Italian yeah, yeah, son. Yeah, yeah. Remember that night? Yeah. <laughs> Good times. Yeah. Good times. <laughs> I, um, and then I also, you know, there was also, I was in Dirty Work at the Crossroads, which was the first show I did at State Fair Community College mm-hmm. in 1987. And um, it was, ju- there was just a moment where I heard my cue line. And I was several steps away and we had actually, what is now our black box theater mm. was a TV studio that, um, you know, the, the set was built in and we were down some steps and back in this little area that was Ron Winnegar's office at the time. Yeah. And I heard my line. I was like, Oh shit. <laughs> and come running up 
<laughs> and you could hear me because it was all plywood back there, like boom, 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 boom. <laughs> and you know, I just say some stupid line, Miss Oakart, Miss Oakart, and then coming back in. But it was yeah. kind of like, oh, mm. yeah, yeah. So those life, it's not life and death. I mean, obviously, yeah. But it's a moment where you kind of go, yeah, I let some people down, and I don't want to do that again. No, uh, you learn real fast how to not. And again, like you're always going to mess up. There's always going to be those moments where somebody blanks or throws out a line that doesn't make any sense and you've just got to kind of recover. And again, like in the moment, it's terrifying. Yeah. Once it's over, it's like, Oh yeah, we recovered just fine. And everything worked out. I mean, the ultimate one was the one during the children's show for me. And it was one where like, I finally came out on the good side of it, Mm -hmm. but it was just one of those things. Like, again, that's why my opinion is like, you have to be there for more scenes than just yours. Yeah. I mean, you, you re- got to be yeah. there for everybody. And it's also the warning I always have because I tell one of these stories, you know, usually when we're getting to a point where, you know, we're off book and we're working. And sometimes it's so easy to go in autopilot, but it's that, you know, the old phrase, you always have to be in the moment. You have yeah. to be there. You can't be, I've done this a thousand times. I'm just going to do it again. One, it makes for not necessarily, it doesn't make for a truthful performance. Right. But two, sometimes you can go there and go, did I say that line? Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it becomes actor thoughts, not character thoughts. Right. Uh, But yeah, I remember, I I do tell that story about the children's show where it was my mistake to begin with, Mm -hmm. where I told the kids that, you know, when the, it was uh, Stinky Cheese Man and fairly, you know, other fairly stupid fairy tales. And it was a musical version, but I still tell that story every once in a while yeah. where a guy that was playing. It was Josh, his first lead. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was, he was the, the Fox kind of the yeah. villain of right. the show. So we, you know, had people boo him. And the, the cool thing about children's theaters, you want them to participate. They, they will, will <laughs> participate. Yeah. And they were booing him and he couldn't start his next line. Yeah. And he just stepped off stage. He kind of freaked out and stepped off stage. Yep. And then old farmer Alex comes <laughs> running back in. I don't remember what he said. Hey kids, the next story we have, I don't remember what you said. Yeah, I, I remember, like, oh I almost God. remember it was it like verbatim. instantaneous. Yeah. Yeah. I almost, because my brain just went, it, I literally at one point, I think, uh, there was an act, there were two actresses that were by me. One was, um, uh, Catherine Badenko. Yeah, who was playing? I can't a bird or something like that in the show. Yeah, I and can't um, her character's name, but yeah, yeah. But I remember my brain just again. This is one of those things. Like this is why you pay attention to the whole thing yeah. because my brain went. She can't come on stage. Like no, she was on the other side because I saw her in the end. So she. It was a scene where the fox has to say a line to her, interact with her. She has to get off stage, and then he has to bring uh, Jeff's yeah. character on. And I remember that because I paid attention to it all the time because I end up going in on the next scene. And um, so I was just hanging out on the side uh, talking, not talking. I wasn't talking. I was whispering very quietly. But I heard the booing and it had been kind of building up. But and again, it's one of those moments where if, you know, and I think you probably told him this the next show when we were all standing there. It was like if they don't let you just start because they're going to want to hear your line. Yeah. And, of course, that was the time, too, that uh, we didn't have you guys mic'd. Yeah. Yeah. And, and children's theater in front of, you know, 400 kids. Wow. When it's, and a musical, yeah. for that matter. I mean, you know, it wasn't necessarily the greatest for voices. No. 
at that time. But yeah, it was it was tough. And you know, if you train them at the beginning, it sounds bad train them. But if you have them, you know, like even just you know putting your finger up next to your mouth and going shh, yeah, you know, that'll quiet them down pretty quick. Yeah, because they're usually pretty good at, at listening. They're I, I love children's theater because it's yeah. really if they're with you, they are with you. Yeah, and you know, you get immediate reactions. And I think that it's another tangent but i think that children's theater is one of those things that i don't understand why more theaters don't take it more seriously because mm-hmm. i'm like if you really want to continue the livelihood of theater especially in the midwest where we're not as exposed right. to theaters we might be in other areas of the country you want to hook them mm-hmm. when they're kids yeah 100 you know, this could be a cool thing to do and you know i've always felt strongly about that yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, and I also want to clarify here the disclaimer that just because we've had some of these experiences, <laughs> State Fair Community College still has a pretty good theater. Oh hell yeah! Just so you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, these are these are moments like oh yeah yeah. You know, with what happened in in uh, the Stinky Cheese Man, I mean that was that was we expanded or you guys I shouldn't say we you expanded the shows to last not only through that initial week and the weekend, but I, I think we did like another Monday Tuesday or Tuesday oh, yeah. Wednesday yeah, yeah. show. So and that was a, it. I mean, children's know, theater at State Fairs three shows a day for at that point 10 days yeah Yeah. so it's you know it this is one moment (laughs) just in a regular run i mean now you know we've added some people on stage and because stinky cheese man was the first one that really kind of boom yeah took off we had successful children's theater but you know we have five thousand yeah come to that show yeah and we only seat 239 so you can imagine how many performances we have to do Mm -hmm. yeah and it's intense but yeah, that was, I mean, and again, like, I, I think the biggest compliment I got was that nobody could tell. Yeah. Like, and that was just one it of those positive It was instantaneous because, yeah, I was sitting nope. out there. My brain went, uh-oh. And then all of a sudden I realized that the light was in my face and I was like, I just stepped out here. That was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he got, he got mad and he just said, you know, okay, you don't want to, it was something to the effect of, okay, you don't want to hear what I have to say. Fine. And he just left. Yeah. And then that's when my brain, I saw him continue to walk, not like he was making a joke. And uh, so I just found myself out on stage and I basically was just like, I said enough to get by, but I knew I had to do two things. And I, I tell everybody this because it was just, it's one of those moments that you'll, you'll carry with you forever because Mm -hmm. it was like, this is when I finally got to like save the day and not fuck the show up. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I, you know, I came out and I knew I had to be, I knew where I had to be. So I went over there, said what I remembered of his line. Catherine swung like a rake at me. I did what he was supposed to do. Got her off stage Got Jeff on, did the fake mm-hmm. kiss with him, which freaks him out, and then I just like walked off proudly, and that was all I had to do. But if I hadn't been paying attention, then I wouldn't have been able to do yeah. it. And so it's like, but I remember I walked off stage, and Catherine is in there. She's like, "That was awesome." Like, yeah, yeah, okay, cool. I'm not gonna sleep for five days, but that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's like. Th- those now we can laugh about. I mean, at the yeah. moment we were all freaking out. Oh, about of course. It, yeah. I still think about, um, I just saw a guy who I had it. That's the other cool thing about teaching theater is that I still have people that I may not see them for 10 years, mm-hmm. but we can start talking and it's been like, it's a day. been a day. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but Matt Jones, who's in New York now, he's been in New York now for several years. Um, but he's got a, you know, he's married and, and has a, has a boy and, um, he works at Hudson, I think it's Hudson scenery, but they did like sets for, um, I just saw all my sons on Broadway. Mm -hmm. 
uh, with Annette Benning, and you know he did a lot of the construction gotcha. for that set okay. through his scene shop nice. that he works on. So he's been doing that for maybe twenty years now. I don't. But he. Um, but anyway, he was in a show that uh, that I was in. It was Brighton Beach Memoirs, and there's a very mm-hmm. intense scene where Stanley, the son, uh, the dad. Uh, has some health issues and can't work and this is the 1930s so but stanley decides that he's the oldest son and tries to make more money by gambling but ends up gambling his salary away and they've got other people staying with them at the house their relatives are there as well and um you know at the in the middle of the depression so this was yeah. not necessarily a moment but there was just and if Crowder College is a, a little bit of a different stage. Mm-hmm. I remember um, that. Yeah, it's just uh, the stage and the seats are on the same level. Yeah. And so because it was a two-story set and a fairly large set, we pretty much came out right to the edge of it. Our playing space came right out to there. <clears throat> so you were a good three, maybe three feet away from the front row. And oh, uh, there was two people sitting right by them. They were at the park bench was the most extreme downstage or close to the audience where they could be. Mm-hmm. And they were sitting on this bench that was outside the front door and they were having this heart to heart conversation. And a woman, in fact, Matt and I just talked about this story the last time we, we met. Um, but he, uh, he was the dad and this woman was, uh, the guy was playing with his, uh, um, his his uh, hearing aid and he was playing with it and he was talking and sometimes when you're talking and you have a hearing aid you talk louder than you think you are yep so he's talking louder and then that didn't necessarily bother him but when the woman I assume his wife grabbed her purse and did a full-on swing and smacked him and said would you just shut the hell up there was a moment there where it was just a you know, one of those deer in the headlights moments where he just kind of snapped out front, eyes wide open, then snapped right back into the scene. And he was like, you know, Eric, I thought that you were full of shit that sometimes things could happen. But now I know it's legit. <laughs> so like, yeah. The, the, and that's the beauty of live theater is that you're it's the, it's there. Yeah, that's the, it. The art doesn't last, man. It's there. It's you know, it's there for that moment and it's gone the next. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, you can video it or whatever you want to but it's not the same as no as live theater no yeah guys and dolls um they put a clip on tie on me and the scene where we're in the like dancing together mm-hmm. and she's dragging me across and tie popped out like of course yeah yeah first show yeah <laughs> good point i think that was actually the sunday matinee that that was filmed so that was the last one but it was just one of those like i'm glad we got that on film because thank god it was that show where that embarrassing moment happens yeah but hey well why not but yeah the i the hearing aid thing was always something that i heard a lot on sunday matinees no matter where it was no matter where i've been doing a show but the the somebody not hearing a line and then the person next to them repeating the entire scene is the one that I'll. Yeah. Like, should yeah. we just start redoing it up here? <laughs> <laughs> you didn't get that. Okay. Let's All move right. on back. Hold it's like on. one of my, one of my favorite scenes in, um, I think it's a, gosh, what is it? It's a Kevin Klein movie. Uh, 
but he is, it's not a fish called Wanda, but it's one where he's doing death of a salesman in like Miami. <laughs> and there's these, you know, it's very stereotypical of senior citizens, which scares yeah. me because this, <laughs> this November I'm eligible for coffee discounts. Hey, hey. I'm taking them. Oh, hell but yeah. But I, you know, I still have a little shame about that. Uh, but, you know, there's these very stereotypical senior audience that's watching, you know, oh, yeah. in like Miami or some beach town, you know, in Florida. And it is, um, they are, they're doing death of a salesman right in the middle of death of a salesman. Uh, somebody spills their drink and they're all talking to each other, kind of this big hubbub <laughs> trying to get a server over there. And he's giving a monologue as Willie Loman then walks over and cleans up the table and says, let me take care of that for you. And then helps them out and then just goes back up on stage. Nice. So yeah. Um, <laughs> got to do what you got to do. Got to do what you got to do. Yeah. So well, it's interesting to see how different actors handle moments like that. Because like, I remember a story about Hugh Jackman being, I can't remember what the show was, but he plays a New York detective and it was on Broadway and um, he's got, it was, he got just annihilated in the press for like three minutes before people who actually know what live theater is like showed up and like said, you should stop talking. Yeah. But um, somebody in the audience was just interrupting this kind of real intense exchange and he's supposed to be just pissed off pretty much the whole time. Yeah. And he looked to them and said something to the effect of shut the hell up mm -hmm. and then just went right back to his scene. And I remember, like, there was uh, several news articles from, like, the Kansas City Star and, you know, anything that you'd see online. And it was all just like, can you believe he's this bad of a person? Like, fuck yeah. Have you ever been in that situation? Yeah. <laughs> of course you can. See everybody <laughs> playing with their cell phone or doing yeah. whatever they, you know. It's kind of like, yeah, yeah, you've just lit up your face. Yeah. Like a, <laughs> yeah. yeah. At this point, all I can see is black. I can't see anything below the lights. Yeah. Except for you right there playing with your cell phone yeah that's the one person i can now see okay thank Fan you fantastic thank you for that thank yeah. you for that but yeah i got embarrassed by uh by todd by mr schnocky when we went to the international thespian festival in nebraska one year because there was a show and i really wish i could remember what it, what it's called it'll come to me in a minute and then i'll scream it out like in the middle of your sentence i'm yeah. sure but um but there's kind of a pretty I mean, for high school students, like a pretty intense, like kind of sexual moment between mm -hmm. two characters. And um, the audience had been kind of woo-wooing the whole time. Mm -hmm. And so this is an hour and a half into it and well through the second act. I mean, we're kind of hitting the last couple of scenes. Mm -hmm. And so there are woo-woo and, and clapping and everything. I'm on the end as far away from my group as possible. The stage is that way. They're way up here. So I can't see what they're doing. And uh, so I did that i i did the same thing everybody else was doing and he i can't remember if he took a piece of paper like the program and hit my shoulder or if he like cupped my shoulder with his hand and just like did that and yeah. i looked behind me and he was like you will not like okay i'm like, cool i'm cool i got I'm cool got it jesus i didn't realize this our people take this really seriously <laughs> <laughs> but yeah was, and ray peck's got a great just a great oh I yeah can't, i can't oh, speak I, more highly of it if they've got a great theater program and a, yeah you know from mike beam who was there for many many years yeah. to todd who was a student of his and has just yeah. gone on to do some really cool things there but they've got a, a you know they don't they don't mess around no they've got a good theater program no it was it was fun being there because i you know i was a late bloomer in that i my guys yeah. and dolls was the last part of my junior year and then it was just my senior year that i was there acting and um it, it was 
it was intense because, I mean, it was Mr. Beams last year, so Schnocky was taking over. And there was one show that I didn't do, and I can't remember why, but I got to work with him a lot when we did our one act where we performed at State. Mm -hmm. And uh, I never, I mean, we worked Little Shop of Horrors, but I was a minor character. I was one of the Dennis minor characters. Yeah. And um, so I never really gotten to work with him one-on-one, just Mr. Beam, because I worked with him on pretty much every show. And when I finally got to actually work with Todd, I was like, oh, you really know what you're doing. Yeah. You're like Mr. Beam is an amazing, amazing director. Todd is an amazing, amazing director. And it was like in that moment, though, it was like, so this is why we're successful. Yeah. Because we have two great directors with two completely different personalities. Oh, but yeah. Two great directors. Yeah. They're, work- they're almost opposites in a lot of ways. Yeah. But there's so many different ways that, you know, you yeah. can direct a show. And well, yeah. I always like to say if you can notice a director's work, then you haven't done your job. Yeah. I think that it needs to look like it's all about the performers on stage and mm-hmm. the people that are making it happen. Yeah. It's like a good stage manager. Most people don't notice, but they're freaking yeah, Try to not have a good one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I've had a few. <laughs> but, you know, we were talking about moments that I'm I'm proud of, and I think, yeah. gosh, I can, I can think just about, like, this last semester. Yeah. We did a, a – we were doing – we have what's called the Student Theater Showcase, which mm-hmm. are student-directed shows – and this year we had a, a one act that was directed by a student. And then we had our um, people that are graduating because we now have an associate of fine arts instead of just an associate of arts. Oh, nice. So we offer a lot more classes than yeah. what we did when you were there. Nice. Um, and so we had, and it's brand new. So we had our first group of AFA graduates. And they did some scenes and monologues that they do as part of their final uh, uh, for a one-hour class uh, as the, the final thing that they do for their AFA. Yeah. But we had a, some also some scenes intermingled in there from the acting class. And there was one young woman, um, her name's May, um, incredible young lady, but came in and she was extremely shy. Uh, really, you couldn't hear her. Yeah. You could be 10 feet away. You couldn't <laughs> hear what she was saying. Yeah. And then this last semester, she was in a student-directed show uh, where she was actually a guard at a concentration camp, a female concentration camp. Oh. And she was loud and boisterous. Wow. And, and, you know, and then I helped her out a little bit with the acting class, and she did a show by Rich Orloff. It's a 10-minute play called The Right Sensation. Mm-hmm. And uh, he based it on a friend of his who had um, – had a partial mastectomy and had uh, was missing her right breast. Okay, and um, had an implant put in, mm-hmm. and she didn't have much feeling in it. So he did this ten minute play, and it's kind of cool because it's the the first time this woman is going out on a date, and um, she really likes this guy, and uh, they've been, you know, kissing, and he puts his hand on her chest and stops. And there's a lot of comedic things that happen in it, but it's kind of one that you got to be pretty vulnerable yeah. doing. And it was just not something that May was comfortable with. And it was hard and they really wanted to do it. So I tried to help them as much as possible and it just ended up that they really did a fine job. I mean, they yeah. did a great job. Neither one of the actors were totally comfortable with each other, but through the process, they got much more comfortable with it. Yeah. They both felt a little awkward about it. Right. You know, um, so I just thought it was really just kind of a cool moment. It may not be the, the greatest acting job ever done, but it's two 
but you think two about guys where they that came really, from. yeah, where they came from and how much they grew. Yeah, and I just thought that was just kind of a cool moment. Yeah, you know, I, there's those. There's um, oh gosh, let's see, uh, you know, Lauren Dow, who I've talked about earlier, yep. who came into auditions in a wheelchair because of a an injury, and then just is you know incredible, yeah. incredible young woman. Um, you know, we've had several good students over the years. Uh, you know, we did She Kills Monsters, and I thought it was an incredible uh, uh, learning experience for the woman who played. It was kind of her first. And I never like to use the term lead. Yeah. But she, Agnes was the character, and she played the lead in She Kills Monsters. And really, it was just a – she's kind of more of a character actor before that. But, you know, there were a lot of funny lines in there, but she usually wasn't – one of them at all times. Now, sometimes yeah. she was, but but uh, she really just did a beautiful job of connecting to it. And um, she has a monologue where she talks about not knowing her sister and not being able to learn or grow anything past that. And she kind of, she related it back to her grandfather that mm -hmm. had passed away uh, a few months before. And she really just had an incredible growth experience and it was yeah. kind of cathartic for her to do that but yeah, I could probably tell you a thousand different stories from right. people that I really think have done a nice job um, over the river and through the woods I was really proud of mm -hmm. when when we did that you know uh, you know there's all kinds of cool people that were in that yeah. group and we did do an Italian accent and I drove yep. them crazy because we did exercises every single because I thought that was important in that yeah. particular show it's really important there right. um, but yeah had a great cast and they worked really really well together mm -hmm. Um, you know, so there's so many moments. I've got moments of frustrations with every show, right. but there's so many moments of, you know, students doing really incredible work and busting their ass. Yeah. Um, and everybody's there for the most part, three hours a night, five days a week plus. Yeah. And then you get to dress rehearsals. Yeah. And then and you're there then it's, yeah. forever. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I mean, all those are, all those are incredible things to me because you think about like, if you told somebody, you know, you have to be here especially when you get to dress and if it's a big show, most of the time you're going seven days a week mm -hmm. leading, you know, two weeks up to the show, you're doing that plus the show itself. Yeah. And so you have people that are working five to, you know, a full-time job. It seems like sometimes, especially when you think about like you going home and then working. So if you're doing that seven days a week, I mean, that's intense, especially for college students, especially for somebody who's teaching college classes. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a, it's a collaborative effort without question. Yeah. Um, when you think about overall the, you know, and I know that the initial answer has to be everybody's different. Therefore, what I have to do is different. But you're also directing all kinds of different people at the same time. And there's only so many hours in the day when you're finding somebody that is growing in their in their role. What are you like? What's your I don't want to say plan of action, because I'm sure at this point it's kind of ingrained in just you and what you do. But if you're seeing somebody like you know, the actress that wasn't comfortable with something but was kind of progressing or yeah. somebody that was, wor you know, working in the right direction. How do you kind of keep seeding that when you're going through rehearsals? Because it's got to be difficult to not just say, let's run this scene and then I'm going to change this, I'm going to change this. Because like you said, you want to make sure it doesn't look like the director directed it. Yeah. It was just all what's happening at that moment. But a lot of times, I mean, I've worked with them. You've worked with thousands, I'm sure, at this point. Just the people who... You give them a little bit of guidance and a little bit of guidance, and over time, that you know, that person becomes polished or at least something very close to it with the amount of time that you have. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
I think I, I try to. Now, part of the problem is, especially when you're talking about the, some of the college levels, is sometimes you're working on the squeaky wheel. Yep. And you, you know, have a, I try not to do this, but you have a tendency to not talk to the ones as much yep. that are really doing well. I, I try to just ask questions. Yeah. Like, what are you thinking here? Mm. What's happening? You know, I try to, I try to give actors as much freedom yeah. uh, as possible. You know, yeah. I do, I do have, uh, prescribed blocking. I mean, there's organic oh, yeah. blocking and other, you know, the, but, but I do prescribe the blocking just cause I feel like 18, 19 year olds don't know what it looks like on stage and <laughs> organic blocking is really when people have had several years of it. If you want to do it well, mm-hmm. and a lot of times what happens, it, not always, sometimes at college and especially in high schools, they say they're doing organic blocking because that sounds cool. Uh, but really what they're doing is they're being lazy because yeah. really organic blocking, you need to know it as well as if you mapped out every single movement. Yeah. You just need to be able to help guide them do that. And yeah. some actors can figure that out. But, um, so, but, but even with that, I still think that they need some freedom and they also need to hear periodically that that was fucking awesome yeah and it's amazing to me just one compliment it's so hard to get lost in the minutiae to remember what these what these i'm gonna say kids but what these kids are you know sacrificing yeah to do what they're doing right and that they love it Mm-hmm. And that, yeah, it's frustrating. And yeah, I like to say I love theater, but I hate drama. But there's always some drama there somewhere. Yeah. Um, but, you know, over the years, I've been really blessed to have some really cool people yeah. that I've worked with. There's a few that I go, <laughs> but Never even some again. of the few that I wanted <laughs> to swear at or yell at or, or whatever, even a few of those have, like we talked about from Scapino, yeah. have called me back. Actually, a kid I, you know, Gave him a hundred and some odd dollars so that he was, he he was he had several bad checks. Yeah, and had to pay for it. And he was actually to the point where they were going to come get lock him, him up, Ugh. come get him. And so I gave him whatever it was, a hundred, two hundred dollars at the time. And this is when I was first started teaching, so I really didn't have yeah. you know two hundred dollars to give, and you know had. I think it was just Audrey then, but still our first baby. And, mm-hmm. you know, at that time, one salary and teacher salaries aren't great. Yeah. Uh, but so and then I never expected to see that back. That was the only show he did. But five years later, he came back and paid me back. Wow. And I never expected to see that. Yeah. And, you know, in Little Shop, there's another guy who yes. you know who I'm talking about. Yep. Um, who's come back and, and talked to me and said, you know, I'm really sorry that I, I really tried to help him and it, it worked out to be incredibly talented. Yeah. I mean, incredibly. Well, he's in front of the camera now. Yeah. I mean, different way, but in front of a camera and he should be. And yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he's incredibly talented, but came back and I think he's had a lot of growth. Yeah. Since then. And hopefully I was a little part of that, Mm -hmm. but you know, I, I just think that there's, there's so many people that are doing so many cool things that I think is unfortunate. You know, you were talking about this in your last podcast, but how it's just gotten to where it's so negative most of the time. And it's always negative about the younger generation. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like, oh, they don't do this. They don't do that. Whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I didn't get an award for participating or whatever the hell they're talking about. Yeah. I'm like, you know what? You also didn't have the challenges of so much technology pulling you in 5,000 different directions. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, in the number, like, 
every study that you see, it's like the numbers just don't work out either. Yeah. It's like, I don't want to sound like it's an excuse, but you know, when I look at things, it's like the numbers are the things that always tell me what, what's what. Yeah. It's like, and if everything's more expensive, but salaries are remain the same or at least close to the same, then guess what? It's more difficult. Yeah. And it might not seem like it, but it is. And there are a lot of reasons for that. And we can argue about whose fault that is until we're all blue in the face. And it's not ever one person. It's not ever one party. It's not ever one anything, but it's not the same. So rather than saying, you know, who are we going to assign blame to now? Let's figure out how to make that better. But the, I, my mom, and I really wish I remember who the line was or who said the line, but it was so far back. It doesn't really matter, but the story does. And it's, um, do you think the line with the next generation will come the downfall of mankind is true? And it's like, of course not. But most people will answer, well, yeah. I mean, yeah, there's next generation. They just don't understand anything. It's like, yeah, that was spoken by blah, 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 the king, you know, one of the kings of the city-state yeah. of this place yeah, yeah, yeah. in 1202. Like, it's not going to happen. Just because you think it will, it's not going to. Well, I remember, <laughs> you know, my grandpa talking to me, and he had, you know, lived through the Depression. Yeah. You know, and he would tell me that, yeah, I hope that we never have anything like that because you'd never be able to survive. And in some respects, it's probably true because we're not nearly the agrarian society. Right. We were in the in the 20s and 30s, and you know, there we're not as we're not as self sufficient mm-hmm. as we might have been back then. But you know, yeah, they were talking about you know, I worked this many hours or whatever, and I think to some extent that's true. It just changes. There's different yeah. challenges. Yeah. Um. So I'm certainly not one to give you know answers to these questions because hell i don't know right um we talk about politics i I think (laughs) the best thing that could happen for us if i had and this is just my opinion is that we had a third strong party yeah to where we're forced to negotiate no matter what yeah because i think i don't care if it's democrats or republicans it seems like whenever one of them Mm. has control they fuck it up yeah when when they have too much, that's always yeah. been to me. That's the that's the most terrifying thing. I mean, I was I can't remember which podcast it was. I think it was the one with maybe my uh, other the other Corey Corey Gallagher. Mm-hmm. But I was telling him it's like I I've never I've never not to this day I've never voted for a Republican for Missouri for, uh, governor. Mm-hmm. It's not because I don't normally identify with a rep- right now. I, I'm really confused about any. Well, nobody political. knows who the hell what party they're I, in. I, they've all. You know. it's every, yeah, but so anyway, but I haven't on principle because it's always freaked me out that I look at our House and Senate and they are just everything proof Republican. Mm-hmm. And it's like you need that other strong voice that you might not agree with, but to fight. I mean, even if you think that you have everything lined out and perfect, you don't need everybody agreeing with each other because the moment that politicians get into an echo chamber, nothing's going to turn yeah. out well. Yeah. Well, and even now we've gotten to a point. Although, you know, it's not like uh, nasty politics was just created in the last right. 10 years or whatever. Yeah. It's been around for a long time. Yeah. But we've gotten to a point where it's almost it, compromise has become a really bad word. Right. And I'm from a communication background and compromise is the only word. Yeah. I mean, how the hell are you going to survive a marriage mm-hmm. if you don't compromise? You got two people. Guess what? You have two people with two differing opinions. 
yeah, you may be alike in some respects, but you're different in some respects too. Yeah. And you're going to have different, you know, ideas about raising your children or doing whatever. Right. And there's got to be some compromise there somewhere. And I just, it makes me sad that now we're just in, you know, insult politics. Right. And, you know, it's just, you know, I, I lean more, uh, Democrat. Yeah. Um, but I've been just as disappointed with the Democratic Party as I have been. I just want somebody to be fucking consistent. Yeah. Just one person. Yeah. That's why, you know, libertarians, it's kind of like the Green Party. They're not really going to win anything. So right. they can be just up front and say the shit that they think is true. Right. I might disagree with them. Right. But at least they're honest about it. Right. Well, it's like that's one of the, you know, there's a, there's a clip from one of the Daily Show episodes when Jon Stewart was talking about when Ron Paul was, like, coming in second place everywhere. And yeah. no news network. Conservative, uh, liberal, middle of the road, didn't matter. Nobody was talking about it. They'd be like, well, Michelle Bachman uh, won Iowa, and then Romney and Santorum lost to her. And it's like, well, Ron Paul came in second. What are you talking about? Yeah. And it's like, you can disagree with his politics. And, I mean, he even— John Stewart said this. He's like, you can disagree with his politics all day long, but guess what? He hasn't changed. Yeah. And he still has the line like, I go back, you know, why did you vote no on this? He doesn't say like, well, I voted no because I felt it's like, I looked at the Constitution and it said we can't do that, and so I didn't vote for it. Yeah. Like, I might agree with it, but a dictator agrees with everything they see. Sure. So, <laughs> like, it's like, what? Can we, can he come back? Because his son doesn't appear to be sticking, sticking in his yeah, lane either. Not so much. Uh-uh. Not so much. But yeah, it's, you know, like him or hate him, you know, Bernie Sanders has been consistent. Yeah, he's the same. I mean, he's pretty much the exact opposite of Ron Paul. Yeah, sure. And I told everybody, it's like, I was going to vote for Bernie. Not because I like him. I disagree with almost everything that he has to say. But we had a Republican-controlled Congress, and I was like, nothing will get done for four years. Awesome. Because right now, that seems like the best option. Yeah. Just let's just t- push pause and, and not suck for like four years and just everybody look at each other and figure out what's going to happen. And then we'll elect people that actually know what the hell they're doing. Yeah. Or at but least pretend to. I don't think that's ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I get depressed when I read like I, and I've probably talked too much on the podcast about it, but last year I found audible mm-hmm. and I read eight or nine just novels, which, yeah. and I never ever do that, but I, I can listen to things way better than I can read. Not even like just retaining it. I can yeah. hold it. And I was, I read the three part biography on Theodore Roosevelt. I read, uh, Alexander Hamilton by Cherneau and a couple of other ones. And I'm just reading these books and going, Oh fuck. We had these guys. Yeah. We had them. And we were just like, ah, we're good. Politics, politics <laughs> chews people up and spits them out. Oh, yeah. You know, and I think what you're talking about with Ron Paul is the same thing that's really happening with, you know, on the Democratic side, um, Elizabeth Warren or Kamal yeah. Harris is that, you know, I never pronounce his name, but Mayor Pete gets all this attention. Yeah. But he's not as high as Elizabeth Warren are. And I think I think he's a he seems like a fine individual. I right. don't know much about him. Yeah. Um. But, you know, Elizabeth Warren's really kind of climbing, mm-hmm. but she doesn't get nearly the press. No, because she know, doesn't Joe say Biden anything crazy. Or, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, and, and, and I don't know that – I don't know that I'm a big expert on Mayor Pete. I think there's a lot of great things that um, – some ideas that he has. But, you know, the problem is you don't win by being specific. No. Yeah, and if you try, then you go either – 
either somebody can pick out one piece and it feel like they win. Yeah. Like, well, you didn't say this correctly, so obviously you have no idea what we're talking about. Or the, you know, the common man doesn't get what you're saying. You can be, yeah. I mean, like the guy who, um, I can't remember, I think his last name is Yang. He's the guy that continues to talk about universal-based income. Yeah. Now, I completely disagree with it, but he found a point. He found yeah. one consistent point that either people like or hate, but it's going to take one person two seconds to dismantle it with him standing there, and it'll be done. Elizabeth Warren, I mean, I again, I just don't agree with her politically. I have nothing against the woman, but I just disagree with her politically. She's smart. She seems to know what she's doing. Like she's she, yeah. you know, apparently gets it. You know, it's like Bernie Sanders disagree with him completely. He's been saying the same shit for decades. You just have only heard of him recently because of you know the whole fiasco from the last election. Yeah, it's like you know. When you actually watch his speeches, you know, if you have somebody something that they clip out a 10 second burst, it's like, well, yeah, that sounds terrible. But if you listen to the whole speech, he never sounds crazy. That's just an idea. Yeah. And again, like that's why I said I'd 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 vote for him because I just know nothing would get done. But he also has been consistent. So Hell, I voted it, for Ross Perot years ago just because yeah. I wanted a third party. I didn't yeah. think Ross Perot was going to win. Yeah, him and his charts. Yeah, him and his charts. <laughs> uh, but I was just voting because I thought, man, we need to have you yeah. know, the two-party system. Don't get me wrong. I love the United States, and I think we've got a lot of great things going for us. But the two-party system has kind of run into a rut. Yeah. big-time rut. And, if you look and at, I think oh, we need somebody in between or at least someone – that or some party to emerge that if we had three parties in there, mm -hmm. it's not an even number. You have to compromise. Yeah. Because I don't care if you're a libertarian, a Democrat, a Republican, a Green Party, uh, you know, I can't. Yeah. Constitution name, Party. Yeah, Constitu blah, blah, blah. yeah. Whatever. You've got some good ideas and you got some bad ideas. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? We could. Yeah. I don't think we could ever transition to a total libertarian no because you know that's probably to me that's pure republicans is libertarian yeah you just you know don't mess with people yeah you know what i mean let them kind of live their lives yeah um but the way our system is now i don't think it would work i'd love to see someone that was a libertarian in there so it would kind of be a go-between yeah because republicans aren't republicans anymore and democrats aren't democrats no anymore. yeah and that's the thing. I always vote a Republican, and now I just look around. And I'm like, this is, we just we have a trillion and a half de dollar deficit right now, and that's never been the mo that I've always used to say I'm a Republican. Yeah, ever. Like that's well, the exact you know, opposite. Democrats are called tax and spend, and Republicans now are, you know, yeah. uh, don't tax and spend and spend. Yeah, and spend more. Yeah. Well, and that's what you know. When the Trump tax cuts came out, you know, I've got a lot of friends who are you know obviously on both sides. My theater and education friends tend to be more progressive and my you know the friends that I grew up with and you know the people that are you know I'll say just quote unquote business owners of some sort they tend to be more conservative and it's like I understand the idea that when you look at things and especially when my friends on the conservative side would be like yeah tax cuts like yeah here's the thing I am 100% in favor of tax cuts because I do think that we're taxed way too much that being said we're not paying for the shit that we got. Exactly. It's like, well, it's going to stir up. No, it's not. Like, I, I can show you 15 diagrams and charts that say that what there war is about to happen might show economic benefit, but not to the degree that it's trying to be measured to set to show. So that's 
one, that's just a non-starter for me. And two, like we at that point before the tax cuts, we had a seven hundred billion dollar deficit. Now it's at one point five. Guess why? This is the same thing that happened with Bush. He gave back the surplus that we needed yeah. to continue to pay the deficit down. Those are like again it, for me, it always goes back to the numbers. It's always about the numbers, and if the numbers don't work, then your system doesn't work. Yeah. And the fact that well, I thought the ballsiest thing a politician in my lifetime. There's probably other examples, but I go back to George H. W. Bush, who I I liked. Yeah. Um, you know, he said, "Read my lips, no new taxes." Yep. And then he had to raise taxes because yeah. he got in there and found out that we can't pay for all the shit that people want mm-hmm. unless we raise taxes. Yeah. And Reagan spent like crazy. So yeah. It had to happen. Yeah. yeah. You know, and and it's, I, I, I mean, I don't like. The big guy now. Yeah, Trump. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say, I don't know. Do I want to name him? Um, you know, but but I just think part of it is, is because I'm not sure what the fuck he's doing. Yeah. Sometimes. And it's yeah. not Republican. So it's kind of no. like, you know, making a deal with the devil. You know, you get some of the things you want, but what are you paying? I mean, yep. you know, that was, to me, always the party of... Yeah, um, whether it's America first or whatever, but definitely not Russians involved in our politics. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, I thought, I thought, I thought us Democrats were the commies. I didn't, of course they're not commies, but anyway, they, yeah. you know what I mean? Uh, th- traditionally. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. And that's the, oh, just like my, my perspective, like that worries me, but, and maybe I'm dumb for not paying attention as much to that, but I've all, since this has gone on, it was kind of like to me, and again, it's nowhere near this initial circumstance, which is when everybody was saying, like, Obama wasn't born here. There's no birth certificate, all that kind of stuff. That stupid yeah, argument. Yeah. When they were still making that argument so long in, I was starting to get really frustrated because I was like, look, do you really do you really want people that are not Americans to look at America and go, those people were so stupid that they didn't research if he was born here or not? Yeah. One of our biggest rules to become president you really want that to happen? Shut the fuck up. Yeah. Let's just move move yeah. on. It's fine. But I think politics I has gotten to a point where it's, it's the old petty. adage, if you repeat a lie often enough, it becomes the truth. Exactly. And yeah, with, with Trump and the collusion thing, like I honestly have just been kind of like, I don't know what's happening there enough to really comment on it. I mean, I've probably researched it, I assume, more than the average person. Mm-hmm. But I just have looked at it and just been like, I have no idea. And I don't think... I, I, it really seems like a non-starter of a political issue because I don't think anybody's ever going to like, they're never going to say like, ah, we did it. Yeah. You're right. Um, but to me with Trump, it's just been like, dude, you, I think you have to call every politician out when they do something great, good, bad, or, you know, anything or horrible. Yeah. And so, you know, like with him, it's like, if you find out that that's the case, you have to call him out you can't be a fan of the guy a hundred percent of the time. Sure. And, but, um, but Republicans are way better at staying on message. Like at this point, like they all get together. I'll give you that. Yeah. Yeah. Like they're, I mean, they've got, they've got, you know, they, they'll say one thing and they'll repeat it. Even yeah. if it's not really true, Yeah, they'll say it over and over again. Yeah. You know, I, I think that, you know, I, I listen to this is probably, you know, any conservatives you have listening will go, Oh, I'm not going to listen to this guy. Hell, I'm a theater guy. So what the hell? Yeah, nobody's going <laughs> to listen to me anyway. Uh, but I, I, look at like i you know bill mayer's kind of become controversial bill maher bill yeah bill maher sorry yeah, yeah. i i watch him all the time yeah love him to i death. i really think he's hilarious mm-hmm. but he criticizes the democrats every bit almost as much. as much as he does the republicans mm-hmm. and 
you know, you have to be able to look at, and part of it, one of the things is criticisms, is that Democrats are wimps Yeah, in some respects. Yeah. You know, we're so worried about offending someone or doing something that could be potentially offensive. Yep. And, you know, I think there's really strong issues that need to be addressed. I mean, yeah. My daughter, I'm incredibly proud of her. Uh, she works for uh, MOXA. And uh, she is a social worker and a child advocate. Mm -hmm. uh, we are the 10th most violent country against women in the world. Yeah. We're talking about countries that, you know, where uh, uh, rape and pillage is part of what's built into their society. Mm -hmm. You know, countries that are in civil wars or different wars where there's tons of violence against women. We're number 10. Yeah. How the hell are we a developed country and are the 10th most violent country when it comes to women? That's yeah. just that that to me is just bullshit. I don't care if you're a Republican or a Democrat or a libertarian. That's just wrong. That's horrible. Yeah. You know, and and you know God love my daughter, but she's, you know, she's working with that every single day. Yeah. That's got to be there's a lot of success stories and uh, there are a lot of heartbreakers, mm -hmm. you know, and yeah, I don't know where the balance is, yeah. but something screwed up here. Yeah. Um, where we kind of worry about some things and I don't say that border security isn't important or those types of things, but sometimes we worry about that and then don't deal with some even larger problems. Yeah, well, I think we just say it doesn't exist. Exactly. I mean, when you when you really look at what we're doing, and again, this is one of those like it's it's such a balancing act, and I don't have any idea how a good politician would ever work this out because I think this is such a long term thing that you would have to find some real common ground to make this happen. But I mean, my biggest gripe throughout, you know, when I ran and before, and kind of the reason that I ran was I'm looking at, you know, our education system, whether, you know, you think that there's some positives, negatives, whatever it is. One of my biggest gripes is not that, you know, we don't have things set in place that are a positive thing. One of my biggest gripes is that some of the most basic things that people should know are never taught because yeah. I feel like for so many years, I mean, decades at this point, we've been te teaching for tests. And that's in, you know, the education that we know people have to get, you know, yeah. the, you know K through 12. And, you know, I look back at some of the classes that I took, I, you know, and I have nothing against English teachers. I don't have anything against, you know, high-level math teachers or biology teachers, anything like that. Obviously, you know, too many teachers, I know too many teachers to ever have a one negative word to say about them. There's a reason that I am where I am today, and that's because of the people that were teaching me. Uh, also good parents, but, yeah, but the teachers were there to kind of get that, get that, you know, through my thick skull, but... I really don't feel, and this is from a young age, I don't feel like we teach the most basic things that you should know. And there are two like two bad parts to that. One, I honestly don't think it is the education system's job to teach some of that stuff. Like There are yeah. some things where it's like, no, this should be the parents. But then there are other things, and again, this is like the big government side that I, you know, yeah. people in the Libertarian Party would say I'm not libertarian enough. It's like, But there are also times where you kind of have to look around at your society and go, what we're doing now is not fucking working. Yeah. And if the if we have to kind of re and you know reimagine our education system to make sure that it does, that's probably the right way to go. Yeah. Because what's happened and I think about this, you know, this is kind of going 
on topic, but a bit off topic, but some of those most basic things too, in my opinion, are you have to like really take a look at sex education in this country as well. Because I don't think enough people really... Absolutely, yeah. People are afraid to talk to their kids about it, so they don't talk to their kids about it. So they end up, you know, and especially this day and age, you don't want to, like, say too much about this, especially since you're still employed at a yeah. college. Yeah, but, um, But, I mean, like, you can type in, you know, a two-syllable word on your internet account, and all of a sudden you have an infinite supply of things to see that you probably shouldn't see as yeah. your introduction to sex. Yeah. And when you think about that, some of the other problems that are being heavily debated around the country, and you think about the fact that our sex education system is so flawed that in many areas you can't teach about prevention, you can only teach about abstinence, it's a little terrifying. I teach college. Teaching about abstinence, okay, it can be part of it. <laughs> and it but should be I'm the first sorry. part where you say, you know what you can do to stop all of it? This. Now let's talk about what's actually happening. Yeah. And be honest about it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because it's really and again, I had this Sounds conversation like pretty liberal. liberal. Oh, oh, totally. What? Well, and it's it's not Alex even Keaton has changed. Yeah. <laughs> and on some issues a lot. I mean, still, like as far as government, because I look at this, I mean, it's the same thing as tax cuts. Yeah. It's like you have to have spending cuts to put shit like this into place. Yeah. So f let's talk about where we're going to like one. If we go back to the tax rates that we had, we reduce our deficit. Now let's talk about where we're, where we're cutting the other money. And yeah. Let's have that conversation too, because it has to be like I don't think it has to be both, but we can't have, we can't decrease our tax revenue while increasing our spending, yeah. and that that's just the worst way to go about things. But with this, this is one of those like, to me, this isn't a a conservative or liberal issue. This is a, an issue where if you want to make the argument for a conservative, it's okay. So you're mad about how much welfare we have in this country. Stop teaching only abstinence. Yeah. If if you are a, a liberal and you want to say, like, you know, we need to just teach, you know, and the liberals are would be totally on board with this, I know. But it's like if you're a liberal argument, it has that all over the place. But it's like yeah. if you want to talk to a conservative about this, it's like how much money could you spend? Because I guarantee if you have this in place and you do, and this is where I definitely go off the rails from the libertarian side, but if you're not going to be on board with, having that talk and putting that into place, then you damn sure better, you know, spend the $10 a month per female, you know, young female that can't afford it and make sure they have birth control. Because again, that to me is a conservative argument. Yeah. It's like, if you want to spend $120 a year, as opposed to, you know, however many thousands of dollars in benefits you win. Yeah. So we, again, it's one of those things like it took me a while to kind of get there. But once I actually kind of went through the numbers, it was just like, yeah, there's no reason this can't happen. Mm -mm. And it would, you know, when, when you look at it, it'd probably save a lot of money overall. Yeah. But again, that's long-term thinking. Yeah. Not short. Yeah. It's not election cycle And we thinking. have such a, you know, election cycle win now. Which, by the way, yeah. I just wanted to clarify that I yeah. do know your name is Alex Howell. But we <laughs> called you Alex Keaton a little bit in, oh, yeah. in college. Of course. you were, you know, that well-dressed Republican kid that was... <laughs> That's uh, who I yeah, was named after. about making money. Uh -huh. <laughs> That's who I was named after. Was uh, That's funny. Yeah. It was that show because my parents looked at Michael J. Fox and were like, you know, if we had a kid... Yeah. Probably have one well, that looks that like kid, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. the, the, I... I I don't know. Maybe I just, um, I am too much of a, a little bit of too much of a, maybe a, a, for lack of a better term, a bleeding heart. Yep. But I just think there's, 
you know, there's just some basic things mm-hmm. that, and, and, you know, I'm ignorant on certain topics, just like everybody's ignorant on certain topics. Yeah. Uh, I try not to talk about them too much, but mm-hmm. I still do. Who knows? Oh, yeah. yeah. I think I know what I'm talking about, and then I don't. Well, it's in our face 24-7 uh, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, yeah, don't even get me started on the 24-hour news cycle. Yep. Um, but, you know, it's kind of like I, I just don't believe that ignorance is a good policy. No. In any way, shape, or form. Yeah. From education to I mean, I don't care administration. How, how much you, I mean, absolutely. Abstinence is the best way to prevent pregnancy, to prevent diseases, you know, all kinds yeah. of things. But it's not realistic. Yeah. I, I, you know, everybody talks about you know, oh, whatever is happening to the generations today and all these things. I mean, hell, there's a 5th century Greece play about, you know, a sex strike. Yeah. You know, I mean, people think that bloodiness happened just recently, but it's been around since the beginning of time, you know, and, and yeah. talks about sex have yeah. been around since the beginning of time. Is that the one where they talk about, like, they do a sex strike to end a war? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think it's probably an incredible idea. <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah, if you do a sex strike. <laughs> dumbass men from warring then yeah. you know yeah i i have i talked to several people quite a bit about stuff like this because again like i also think like i want to talk to people that i disagree with because if sure. they have a great idea then i'll change without question but i what i will never understand it again this goes back to why i originally thought about running it's just like, I, I don't understand. We're, we were never everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, for, for many years, we found places to go to war with. And then it was done, and it was over. Like, we, I think I saw some statistic that we only haven't been at war for, like, 17 years in our entire history. Yeah. But it used to be, for like... a while there, it seemed like every 10 years, we'd have yeah, a we'd war, fu- no matter what. Yeah, yeah. we're like, got to get that hit. Yeah, make sure, yeah. <laughs> Economy needs a boost. Exactly. But, like, right now, it's just like, this is, this is how empires fell, man when they yeah. were just everywhere when they expanded you know all over the globe and you look at our budget and like you know there are you know the the programs that i bring up cuts to and it would never get a politician elected but like medicare medicaid social security like you have to eventually address those issues because they're growing and they're growing fast yeah um and there are all kinds of ways and means to test that but it's not going to be a fun conversation and it's not something that a current politician is going to want to have, but you do have to have those conversations because eventually it's going to be, everything's paid for, but we still don't have enough money coming in. Yeah. Oh, and now somebody attacked us. So we have to go to war again, but we don't have the funds to do it or we do, but now our economy is going to look negative. But I mean, I can't remember exactly what the last figure I saw because it keeps growing too, but I saw that our military budget was something like $780 billion. Like it's getting close to a trillion dollars. And when I, you see the breakdown of it over like overseas operations is 65 or so percent of that. Like, so you could cut $400 billion tomorrow if you just weren't there. If anybody were really serious (laughs) about making budget cuts, then that's, and I was in the army, Yeah, you know, uh, and uh, uh, just in my little world of the army, I saw tons of waste there. I mean, I think the misnomer is there's no such thing as waste. There's waste anywhere. Oh Yeah. You know, I don't care if you're the most frugal company in the entire world. There's stuff you're wasting. Yeah. No matter what happens. So, 
uh, you know, I, I was a member of the army and, and I just, there's part of where that's one of the biggest places where you could make significant cuts. Yeah. And it's probably not popular for me to say, but it's, you know, um, I'm sorry, this, how much we pay for the arts in general is on average, last time I checked 53 cents per, per, per household per year. You, you know, that whole big thing about cutting PBS, which to me sometimes is the only place that I can watch that really tries to be yeah. balanced. Right. You know, I don't see them tearing apart Republicans or Democrats. They just kind of report the news. Yeah. Whoa, what a concept. What, what, uh, holy shit. <laughs> How did that happen? Maybe that's why we have to uh, cut them. They're not doing what we think they should because we're yeah. so used to it. Yeah, I know. Yeah, so <laughs> now we're going we're gonna to cut them, but it's, you know. It just yeah. it just seems odd to me that we we don't look at some of the huge ticket items that if we're trying to balance a budget yeah you know uh, Social Security is fortunately or unfortunately probably not going to go away oh it won't no question yeah. well and they they can't it's a Ponzi scheme I tell everybody this it's like without question Social Security is a Ponzi like the only thing that makes it not a Ponzi scheme is that the government is the company that normally screws people over but they can tax you i mean and this yeah. is how we have the credit rating we do i mean everybody who this goes back to like cryptocurrencies and people are like yeah there's really no difference between a cryptocurrency like bitcoin and the united and the u.s dollar it's like yes there is because one they're both based on faith yeah like, they're both based on faith but two one has the full faith and credit of the people and citizens of the united states of america in the form of being able to collect tariffs and tax dollars. Yeah. That's what separates us from any of those things. Mm -hmm. So when you think about that, it's like that's what separates Social Security from a Ponzi scheme is that you can just continue to tax. I think eventually it's going to get crazy enough. And I'll tell you that the millennial generation, as much as it's bitched about, probably saved Social Security for the next several decades because we had baby boomers, which were this giant generation, and then you had Gen X that was not very big. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, for some reason, millennials, we, like, our parents just kept spawning. So we went to, like, the largest generation of mankind, like 90, not of mankind because those are over in China right now. Yeah. But, uh, but I mean, there's 90 million of us. Yeah. And so we're going to be able to come up to that, you know, come into that bubble when baby boomers retire. And they're actually going to be enough people to pay for those in retirement at the time. Yeah. But then if we're leave, leaving, you know, gluten-free, vegan, organic lifestyles, then we might live for a while, too. So you, yeah, dang, not me. Yeah, no, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll be gone. You'll be <laughs> I'm eating hot dogs no matter what. That's uh, just yeah. steak and potato. I'll be good to go. Yeah. But I mean, once that generation goes up, though, I mean, I don't know if this is saying that, like if this is incorrect. I hope somebody corrects me, but I don't see my generation having the amount of children that no i don't think uh, yeah. i don't think so yeah. that previous have so when my generation gets social security then it's going to have to be a real serious conversation about you know means testing for it yeah and that's going to be kind of the only way yeah i mean it's you know i i think that uh, the thing i've and like i said i'm no expert i just had years of watching the news and yeah. reading and looking at things um but uh i think Sometimes when we look at the United States, we only hate the socialist programs that don't benefit us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, don't take away my Social Security, but we got to take away 
welfare or whatever. Yeah. Well, you know unemployment's I mean? the that's the yeah, best example. Yeah. Like you don't you hate it until you, until you need it. it. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just you know, I uh, I like I said I don't know the answer. I think that the one thing I I really liked about Bernie is it was kind of a no bullshit. We're a socialist democracy. Mm-hmm. We are not a pure democracy. And did you see Bill Maher's thing where he called it capitalism plus? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, and and what I love about Bill Maher is that he he will bring on Republicans yeah. and people that he vehemently disagrees with and give them kind of a— I mean, Kellyanne Conway yeah. was on Bill Maher. Kellyanne Conway, like, Ben Shapiro. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ben Shapiro is a guy that I started following a while, about probably two years ago, three years ago. Yeah. I was like, here's a young guy, intelligent, knows how to debate. And obviously a lot of his debate strategy is just knowing how to debate, so he wins. Yeah. But super intelligent guy, and he has the thing that Bill Maher has that a lot of people have that you know are actually shows that you can intellectually enjoy, and that is even if you disagree, they can defend their point. Yeah. And they can both sit there and say, I disagree with name a program social security yeah. i disagree with social security for this reason well i like social security for this reason well i think we should do this well i don't think we should do this i think we should do that here's why i think that here's why i think that like fantastic keep doing that bring yeah. and again like you said he brings those people on and that's yeah. a wonderful thing i think it's great <laughs> I, I i wish more people would it's not an easy thing to do no but bring on more people that you disagree with yeah um, gosh, I'm trying to think about the last one Bill Mayer had on. Um, gosh, I can see his face. An incredible conservative mind. And, and even Bill Maher had listened to uh, or read his books and said, I'm yeah. incredibly impressed. I disagree on many issues, yeah. but I'm incredibly impressed by what you write. And you could tell there was a mutual respect yeah. for each other. You know, Bill Clinton and George H.W. really were pretty good friends. Yeah. And now we've gotten to a point where somehow it seems like it's weakness if you respect someone that disagrees with you when right. the hell isn't that what we're about? Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, we're going to disagree politically on some issues, but I'm not going to come out of here going, you know, I'm not going to come out of here not saying that I, you know, you're you're an awesome person. Yeah. I don't care if you disagree with me. Thank God you disagree with me. Yeah. Yeah, if we were all of the same mind, that'd be fucking terrifying. Yeah, I sure tell don't want to run everything. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. And I mean, and again, you know, when you go back to it, when you find those things that you agree with somebody on there that you can share with that is different than you, whether that's, you know, yeah. you, you go somewhere and you travel or you're in theater and you have those experiences, you know, whatever it might be, you find that, yeah, we might disagree. We might be from a different place and that place might have different values, but we can actually find some common ground. And Sometimes you can even find situations where you say, and we both disagree that this one thing is fucking terrible. Yeah. <laughs> but now it seems some kind of weakness if we yeah. say that one of our ideas is not a great idea or it won't work or yeah. or whatever. And, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I, I look at, like, health care. There's all this stuff about the, oh, you know, Affordable Care Act, which some people don't know that's the same thing as Obamacare, Obamacare which yeah. I can't fathom. <laughs> But it's a Republican idea. Mm-hmm. I mean, in its pure sense, it's you know the insurance companies competing against one another. Yeah, for the best rates. And I personally have known several people that were 
I, I didn't know several, but I, I knew one in particular that was on welfare and was so proud that she could pay for her own health insurance. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, she was embarrassed that she had to be on welfare. Yeah. And that, you know, Medi Medicaid, yeah, Medicaid, Medicare, I was good to submit, but yep. it was that she had to be on that. Yeah. And, you know, she was excited. I'm sure. And it's been, you know, whittled away, but I, there was something, I can't remember if it was Roosevelt or somebody had kind of proposed mm -hmm. a, uh, something like what, uh, Obamacare yep. was supposed to be. Yeah. It's, I wouldn't doubt it because he put in more pro, I, this is one of the things I told the, the first Corey, my history buddy about, it's like yeah, a lot of people like, uh, FDR and I, yeah. I as soon as you put American citizens in, in in tournament camps I can't I can't like you as a president anymore yeah but I mean obviously he you know again did what he thought was right for the nation at the time yeah um, and you can disagree it, it, with our you know 2020 hindsight wh what you think about it but I mean you're right in the sense of Obamacare was a in in the purest sense a Republican idea because it wasn't single payer yeah it was like we're gonna make sure people are and Obama was smart enough to know that there was no way a single payer system was going to work. Was going to fly. Yeah, exactly. It would be killed, right? No matter what. Yeah, but was... we got to find something better than what we had. And now it's been dismantled so much that any good that it did do, yeah, it, it's almost like why do we worry about here? We'll just get really controversial. Why do we worry about whether Roe v. Wade is going to be overturned or not? Because most Republican states have made it so hard someone to go to a Planned Parenthood center yeah that it's it's pretty much already illegal yeah and I mean I've you know on the last podcast when I was talking to uh, the Arts Asylum Corey I'm gonna have to figure out a different way to say it one has an E one has no E yeah um, but I was talking to him you know that was one of the issues where it was like it's it's one of those I was always 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 just like without question pro-choice and then you have a kid that's premature and you're like oh man that through kind of a moral wrench into me yeah. and so I had I mean it wasn't something I arrived at immediately but it's you know as I've thought about it, and I think I've got this on all of my all the websites that I try to like fill out my beliefs but I always say that I'm pro-life but me as an individual even if I were to make it up to you know if you're a congressman or if you're president or whatever you know that's that's the beauty to me of the Supreme Court is that yes I consider myself pro-life and I am not the United States of America in one person. Yeah. And they determined that that's what it is in Roe v. Wade. Roe v. Wade also has a lot more complication to it than just one issue. Yeah. So, you know, if, if you're thinking about overturning, like, we need to, this needs to be a national conversation that isn't, are you pro-choice or pro-life? It needs to be a conversation of, you have to recognize that as an individual, you don't represent 330 million people unless you're the president of the United States, in which case you should... All of them should do a better job. Yeah. Every single one of them's failed in one way, shape, or form because it's an yeah. impossible fucking job. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, is that you know, I, I, I don't know what the right answer is. Yeah. Because I have, I mean, why don't we try to deal with the issue of violence against women? Yeah. Because then there'll be a lot of cases of abortions that won't happen because a woman hasn't been sexually assaulted. Mm-hmm. But that's not that's opposite ends of the aisle. Yeah, I mean that's opposite sides. Um, why don't we deal with the sex education or, you know, um, through welfare or other programs? Why mm -hmm. don't we deal with it there? I mean, yeah, 
I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to anyway. Yeah. But, Works. you know, it's... If people it's, are listening to us two hours and 46 minutes into the yeah, podcast, yeah, yeah, they're sticking yeah, around. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, <laughs> is there such a thing? It really, it's... To me, it's a lot of it's pro-birth. Mm-hmm. It's not pro-life. Right. Because you got to support these. you got to figure out a way as a society, and we may disagree on this, but you got to figure out a way to deal with a problem by... To me, it's always been the analogy has been, um, you know, you, uh, you're fixing a leak by channeling it somewhere else. Right. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just kind of like, uh, yeah, we can make it illegal, but it's, it's, but that's it, not going to solve, it's not going to solve the problem. No, because I mean, and that's, that's liberals. You know, in my opinion, it's one of the best arguments for liberals to continue to, you know, kind of say, like, we have to protect Roe v. Wade. It's because all of the people that remember what it was like before and how bad that was. And again, I think that if you're a Republican, rather than saying we have to overturn it, we have to kill these facilities, you don't have to kill the facilities if you kill the need for them. Yeah. If you can do that, then you solve the problem in an intelligent way. Yeah. And again, like I said, Roe v. Wade, it's not just about like, you know, abortion on call. Like that's what it's always been made out to be. There's a lot more in there, more than I honestly probably should talk about because I don't understand it as well. Yeah. And I can't say that I'm an expert at it. I just, you know, I know from being a human being that I've known people that were in that situation and it sure as hell was not a decision that I could make for someone else. No, no. And if it's it's pure libertarian, then we shouldn't be in it whatsoever yeah and my and i i push back a little bit on that only because of the idea that when you look at the the situation overall if you look at it as it's a woman's choice of something within her body as opposed to a woman's choice about a human being that is within her body and that's where my again my brain goes i'm more on the human being side because of my experience yeah um not everybody has that experience, and not everybody that went through what I've went through, or even earlier than mine, sure feels the same way. So, but yeah, it's one of those like it's it's tough for me to comprehend ever having to make that choice, and I'm so happy I never did. Yeah. But I mean, I've known people that have, and yeah. it's not like you said, it's not anything that's ever taken lightly. No, you know, you didn't walk in there like, well, I know exactly what's going to happen. Anybody who's, and I, this is where it gets into the semantics of it, mm-hmm. but it's, you know, um, pro-life people calling pro-choice people pro-abortion or pro-choice people calling pro-life people anti-choice. Mm-hmm. Or anti-woman. Yeah, anti-woman or, yeah. or whatever. I mean, you know, I, it's just, uh, in, in a lot of respects, I hope we're all pro-life. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's not that, it's just not that simple. No. It's just not that simple because you've, you know, um, we're not really funding education. Right. So how are we saying that we can have more children? You know, I mean, mm-hmm. there's all kinds of things that let's deal with the problems. Yeah. You know, not just the, the symptoms. Right of the problems, and that's an oversimplification. But it, yeah, it sure seems like we're not worried about a lot of those other things. Yeah, we, it so. seems like we try to determine morality based on an end end result, as opposed to all of the things that were, I guess, technically also end results that 
we don't want to really get into. Yeah. And that's my thing about sex education. It's like you could probably make it more fiscally responsible to, you know, continue Roe v. Wade, but make sure that you, one, had kids that knew what was going on, weren't shamed or ashamed about it. Yeah. And, you know, had access to be able to stop that process and yeah. its tracks. And it's that, that myth that talking about sex means they'll be more active. Yeah. Really talking about sex, probably at not. least some <laughs> of the research I looked at when I was in college, really the more education, the more abstinence increased. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, there were Chicago schools that did studies back in the 90s that, yeah. you know, I had, I'm not an expert on it by any means, but the more people know, either the safer they were, but things that we all want, teen pregnancies went down. Mm-hmm. There was counseling and birth control yeah, that were, were in some of these schools. And everything that we want decreased. Yeah. But abstinence only, I haven't found any proof that says that's an effective method. No. It cannot be. Yeah. Like, I mean, you're, you're, you're on the battleground teaching kids that are sometimes just on their own. Yeah. For the first time. So. Yeah. yeah and I, I, you know, like I said, I don't know every kid that's every 18 year old in the world, but yeah, I, I've known a lot of them mm-hmm. over the years. And like I said, I still think that there's a lot of good things yeah. that are coming out of, I mean, hell, it's weird thinking that since I've been teaching now, I have people that are middle aged that <laughs> I had when they were 18 and I've just seen the growth in them. It's yeah. been incredible. Yeah. And we could name names, but we're probably going too long here anyway. That's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm glad we got a good conversation in with theater. I'm glad we kind of talked a little bit about some of the other stuff that goes on. Because I think that when you have the conversation about what we just what we just went through, I mean, we're we're in a in a period of time where politics is shoved in our face all the time, whether we like it or not. Yeah. And unfortunately or fortunately, I guess you could look at it, too. Like we're all pretty aware of the results of that. Yeah. And I think that's a positive thing because I think there were there have been periods of time in our country's history where either people weren't allowed to participate in the process or just didn't and kind of let things happen as opposed Mm -hmm. to kind of standing up and knowing what was going on. So I think even as ridiculous as certain things are, it's probably a positive that people are at least involved. Yeah. Oh, no, I have a incredibly positive. Yeah. You know, I look at all these brave people in Hong Kong. Yeah right now mm-hmm. you know standing up against the extradition proposals that are yeah. that are being made by china those are incredibly brave people yeah and hopefully we're getting more and more here that'll that'll stand up yeah i don't know what's completely right because hell i'm not that smart yeah that's always in the gray area yeah <laughs> yeah everybody says when things are black and white i'm like no no, no they're not <laughs> too many choices yeah and that just make it to, that are that are so different, and we don't think about the consequences a lot of times. Yeah, of what we're doing. And like I said, I hope no one listening to this thinks that I think I'm like some expert that knows. You know, I, I personally, I think if anybody who thinks they knows everything are probably some of the least intelligent people yeah. in the world. Absolutely, because at least my education has been: the more I learn, the more I realized I don't know. And uh, even people in education can be arrogant about that, you know, saying that I'm smarter or whatever. Education's a piece of paper. Right. Sometimes it's about perseverance. Mm -hmm. Um, But I've seen some pretty dumb, well-educated people. 
Hell, I may be one of them. I don't know. You know, uh, but you know, I think that uh, I, I think I'm smart enough to know that I don't know. Yeah, know what I don't know. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, I think the the greatest thing you can be as an educator is you have to be somebody that your students can approach, and you've always been that. Oh, yep, you have to be somebody so. that you know, because if you're and had teachers that you know, forever from high school to you know Mizzou. It's like you just have some of those teachers that are just like, I'm going to throw some stuff up on the board. I'm going to yell at you for an hour. I'm going to leave. And if you get the grade, you know, if you don't get the grade, then that's not my problem. But I don't think that could that kind of uh, mentality could ever be attributed to you. I think you've always been very much in your students' lives. And, I mean, I don't want to say especially with your theater students in the, in the vein of, you know, they're more important, but you're just around them more. And so I, I see them, yeah. you know, a lot when I'm in rehearsal 20 hours a week. Yeah. So close to that. So and then they're, you know, periodically it kind of goes in in waves. They'll be in my office talking or you Katie's know, barbecue. We had, yeah. Talking, talking about a shoe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we had a few of those conversations back yeah. in the day. So, yeah. And I think that, you know, you were like every other 18 year old trying to just figure shit out. Yeah. And and horrible at it at times. Well, we all are <laughs> at times. That's a bad thing, too, is that, uh, you know, at least my teens through you know a little bit of restaurant management the army college it's not all recorded on facebook or you know whatever media you choose yeah i remember that they uh i remember the day that facebook came out and said that they were going to open it up to everybody and just went oh i hope it dies I hope nobody. I hope this thing. Back doesn't when you grow. were in college, I think it was MySpace was the big one. My it transitioned when I went to. Um, I think they opened it up to any EDU address right before I left State Fair. Mm-hmm. So it was MySpace when I was there um, until like the last several months, and they said they were just doing EDU. So I used initially my State Fair EDU, and then transitioned it to my Mizzou one. But yeah, and then soon after. I got to college. I think Facebook was like, why the fuck are we just doing this for college students? Yeah. We could ruin everybody's life. <laughs> yeah. Hot damn. Yeah. So, well, it's hey, too man. bad. It went from, you know, tell me about your kids and cute <laughs> pictures <laughs> to sharing just bio things. Yeah. Yes. I've, I don't, I don't ever unfriend people, but I block a lot of people. And it's just because of that. It's like, oh, so you're an asshole now. That's unfortunate. Yeah. Okay. And they've probably done the same thing. And I try time. to just be, when I'm on there, and I'm not on there very much, just try to be as positive as I can. Yeah. That's good. About, you know, all we need is love. Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> Big heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Well, hey, yeah. man, thanks so much for coming oh, on. Oh, thank you for having me. Absolutely. I, Anytime. You, know, <laughs> you live close li- now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hope it didn't sound like an idiot. (laughs) No, I'm sure he didn't. Okay, cool. (laughs) Well, thanks, Alex. I appreciate it. Absolutely.